they just wanna have my baby Born in the 80s, crack baby Mama, she was in the street, so guess who raised me? You motherfucking right, couldn't get it from my mama So I got it off the block Been working my whole life, but I ain't never punched a clock Nine years old, I seen a nigga get shot Damn. What's going on everybody, it's your boy Jordan And this is Desmond And welcome to episode 80 of mm. Two Black Nerds That's right, it's that time once again for us to bring you our opinions and hot takes on all things fandom, pop culture, and entertainment As always, you can find Two Black Nerds wherever you get your podcasts Please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a friendly rating and comment to show your support And of course, join in on the conversation each and every week by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Two Black Nerds We appreciate that love y'all And let's not forget to mention we have brand new merchandise that's available now at twoblacknerds.com go check out our two black symbiotes collection inspired by venom let there be carnage we got t-shirts crew decks hoodie stickers mugs and tote bags so go ahead and place those orders right now on today's show we have some new films to discuss including the new biopic starring will smith king richard as well as rebecca hall's black and white drama passing also we'll share our thoughts on the new animated television series streaming on netflix arcane plus we have plenty to speculate about with the brand new trailer for spider-man no way home but before we get to any and all of that we're kicking off this episode with the review of the latest entry into the ghostbusters franchise ghostbusters afterlife What kind of scientist was Grandpa? Honestly, I have no idea. I found it in my living room. Wait a minute. This thing is real? Somehow, a town that has no fault lines is shaking on a daily basis. What is that? Maybe it's the apocalypse. Oh my god. This isn't a mine. It's a gateway. is happening here. We need to finish what our grandfather started. That's not good. Now, this film is directed by Jason Reitman, and it's written by Gil Keenan and Jason Reitman, and it's starring Carrie Coon, Finn Wolfhard, McKenna Grace, and Paul Rudd. So, Jason Reitman is the son of Ivan Reitman, who directed the first 
two Ghostbusters films, mm-hmm. the Ghostbusters film from 1984, often beloved and regarded as a classic, and he also directed the sequel, Ghostbusters 2, in 1989, and this new movie, Afterlife, is serving as a direct sequel to those two films. We obviously know that a few years ago, back in 2016, we got a Ghostbusters reimagining with an all-female or a predominantly female cast that came out in 2016, but that did not involve Ivan Reitman or Jason Reitman. That, fo- that film was directed by Paul Feig. Um, and it wasn't the most ro- well-received movie, and it got a lot of unnecessary hate as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of dark corners of the internet came out the Woolworth to uh, to to really lambast that film for for no apparent reason, but right. it happened. Um, <laughs> but we're back here with a film that is a little bit more faithful to what the original films were, and definitely more connected and more tied into what we saw out of those Ghostbusters films from the '80s. And so, with all of that said, man, what did you think about Ghostbusters Afterlife? Yeah, man, I'm gonna read the movie synopsis here. Uh, when a single mother and her two children move into a new town, they soon discover they have a connection to the original Ghostbusters and a secret legacy their grandfather left behind. That is the synopsis of this movie, man. So Ghostbusters Afterlife is, it's an interesting movie for me, man, because I think there was a lot to like and, and some stuff that, you know, just didn't work all the way. Um, but overall, I, I will say I enjoyed myself in the theater. Um, I, w- I was happy that I did. I was able to go see it. Um, but you know, it, it, it wasn't perfect, man. Um, again, this comes after, uh, of course we, Halloween has happened, right? We, we had, I had to go through my Ghostbusters rewatches as I'm sure you did too. It's what we do. Um, and I just love those movies, bro. I just, I can't help it. Even though the second one, of course, is nowhere near as fun. Isn't the word. Just, it's just not as good as the first one. It doesn't hold as much weight as the first movie holds, um, but they're they they're just fun to watch. Again, they always get me in the spirit of Halloween. There's very few movies that have this tone about it that Ghostbusters does, where you know they're not taking it seriously, but they're taking it completely seriously all at the same time. And all the actors are on board with that exact same idea, can convey that uh, on screen as they do. Um, and in 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 it really is just legendary, man. There's a reason things like Stranger Things, you know, they they always they talk about Ghostbusters, or uh, a lot of people will always bring up Ghostbusters. Earlier, I went to Comic Con this year. I'm pretty sure it was more Ghostbusters than anything else at Comic Con this year, um, as far as people wow. who cosplayed. Like it was really crazy. People they had on the gear from top to bottom. They had the name tags on. They had their suits on. Um, it it, it was really impressive, but. Here we are with uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife, man. And uh, again, it was it was cool. It's a there's a there's a lot of um, again things to like. I think about this movie that I think surprised me in a lot of different ways. Um, and one of the things I will say is just how small the story was. Like all of this took place in this small town, uh, and after. Of course, seeing how big the original Ghostbusters is, right? It's like freaking Manhattan. You know what I mean? It's like all of New York um, is being uh, tainted by these ghosts. But again, here we get this really small town. And I, I don't know why I didn't expect that. Maybe I should have. I don't know what I was thinking, especially in the trailer where you see like Paul Rudd leaving a Walmart where there's no Walmarts in New York. <laughs> <laughs> so like automatically I should have thought that. But for some reason, I, uh, I just wasn't on that page yet. Um, but, but one of the things I have to point out that I love a lot about this movie actually is McKenna Grace who plays Phoebe here, um, as the main character. I think this girl is phenomenal. 
I really do. I think she played her part pretty close to perfect, man. And she was like my favorite part of this movie. Just watching, I was like, man, I really like this little girl. Like I was like, she's very charismatic. She played again. She played her role perfectly, kind of being the nerdy, quirky, you know, smart girl. But like, also she has like these crazy dad jokes that everyone in the theater still laughed at, even though they were terrible. But like, man. it was it was really good comedic relief. But again, she she just really carried the movie for me. Um, and I thought that that was crazy, um, imp- impressive from her end. Uh, and then, of course, you have um, the the one and only Finn uh, Wolfhard from from Ghost. Uh, I was about to say Ghostbusters from Stranger Things, man. And of course, other movies uh, where the first of all, this dude's growing up. Like we're watching him grow up before our eyes. It's kind of crazy to see. It's like we're watching our little brother grow up. Um, but he's always going to do what he has to do, too. But it's interesting because in Stranger Things, he's like the main character. And here, you know, he's sidelined. Um, and, and and it's kind of it's cool to watch him, I think, in that role, too, um, seeing what he can do. But, uh, again, we've been talking about these child actors for for a minute now, man. And uh, they're, they're just different. Something has just, just changed. And I think the way – I don't know if it's like training or – Maybe th- because they watch different movies than we watched when we grow up, the acting is different. I haven't figured it out yet. There's something about these childhood actors that's making them better that I, I want to figure out. But again, man, this this movie, um, you're, I think anybody's going to laugh at it a couple times. Uh, and there's a lot of fan service in it, though, right? There's a lot of moments where you're like, oh, that was it. Like, I know what that's from and, uh, in, in terms of. Uh, the Easter eggs that are provided from the 1984 Ghostbusters that are in this film. There's a lot of that happening in this movie. And even though I enjoyed that after a while, it's like, all right, but what new are you giving us? You know, that's, that's, I think that's what was happening um, in the movie a lot for me. But uh, I think, you know, some of um, the, the early parts of the film didn't have to move as slow as it was. There was definitely pacing problems in that, in that first hour, I think. Cause it was, we we took so long I think to get to the conflict or to get to the the issue of what the movie was truly about. What who was the the real antagonist? What was the actual problem that we were we were going to have to fix in the movie? It, it it really did take a long time. But I think as far as a spiritual successor for me, um, overall the movie worked. Again, I got some action I didn't mind. I got some moments I didn't mind. People see in the trailer, there's the um, there's the, the scene with the Ecto-1 kind of in the streets. <laughs> I enjoyed all of that stuff, man. I, I think there's just a fun time uh, to be had in a theater or just watching a movie in general. Um, and yeah, it just, it just it just turned out to be cool to me, man. I liked it, didn't love it. Uh, and, you know, we'll talk about more. But that's kind of how I felt. Uh, I was happy I seen it, but it, I wasn't I didn't leave the theater and go, wow. This is the best movie I've ever seen. And that, and I think that's okay. And I think that's what I expected it to be in terms of quality. I think that the, it's it's what I got um, leaving the theater. And, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of how I felt about this movie, man. You know, Jason Reitman coming into this story, leading the charge to, 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 to take control um, of, of Ghostbusters at this point. Uh, as I mentioned, the son of Ivan Reitman, who was responsible for those first two films. I mean, the first Ghostbusters one of the greatest films of all time, a classic. The second one certainly didn't live up to the hype, but a lot of people still enjoy that second one because you had the original cast Mm -hmm. still doing what they were notable for in the first one. And that first one was just such a lightning ride, right? Right. It it, it caused a shift in, in comedy, 
horror science fiction genre filmmaking um that that rarely happens and obviously created stars i mean bill murray was already really popular but that just sent him over the top and harold ramus you know one of the Mm -hmm. the most notable incredible filmmakers of the 80s and and early 90s um also being a big creative force behind that movie and and the director ivan reitman that was his vision to to really bring this 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 unique story to life and it did it did so much for just like filmmaking culture and it's still Mm -hmm obviously talked about to this day and Jason Reitman coming in to, to create this movie that honors his father's legacy while still trying to do something new is really admirable. And Jason Reitman is also a respected filmmaker in his own right. He's yeah. done, he's done good stuff. He, 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 he made uh, Juno back in 07, um, a film that I really, really like. Um, he also made Tully a few years ago with Charlize Theron, which mm-hmm. is a really incredible movie. So he's a really talented filmmaker. And I think that most of the things that he did here um, are really, really good creative choices. What he did in particular is sort of stick to the tone that that works so well in that first film and and we're in we're in this era where we're living in the era of legacy sequels which we've talked about on the show before you get these movies that are continuations of franchises that were created 10 20 30 maybe even 40 years ago mm-hmm. we talked about halloween a few weeks ago we obviously know star wars and the force awakens really kick-started it in a, in a big bold way they were happening before that but the force awakens was really kind of the moment where i think hollywood pivoted their entire movie making strategy it was like oh let's take these franchises that worked decades ago and reunite the original cast mm-hmm. while also trying to create something for a new generation because you have to do that, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're getting younger people to go to these movies or at least if you want them to, you have to give them new characters and a new story. And that's what they're doing with this film, Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I think when it comes to the new stuff, I really, really like that. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that they took it out of New York. Yep. The Ghostbusters mo- movies are very much New York movies, mm-hmm. but this is taking place in Oklahoma in a small town, as you mentioned, and I like that. Mm-hmm. It created a different vibe, a different type of tension, a different type of energy, which is very much more related to the Stranger Things aesthetic that we've seen come to light over the past few years, and obviously Stranger Things borrow, it borrows from a lot of stuff. It borrows from um, it, and it borrows mm-hmm. from you know steven spielberg movies and Mm -hmm. et like et and close encounters stuff like that we're seeing that become like really popular that throwback nostalgic type of filmmaking where you're placing these young kids in these extraordinary circumstances and they have to rise to the occasion Mm -hmm. to to overcome whatever the threat is and so a lot of that stuff worked for me as you mentioned mckenna grace phenomenal here they put this movie on her shoulders and she absolutely carried it i was so impressed by her um paul rudd he comes in and he's he's a bit of the, the the comedic levity which is needed throughout this film and i enjoyed what he did for the most part he's pretty much being um he he he's being that comedic relief that's a little nerdy and a little geeky, uh, you know, and that that that's that's really welcomed. Obviously, him coming off of being named the, the sexiest man alive, and he's playing a role here that's kind of the opposite of that. It's funny to see Finn Wolfhard does a really good job. Carrie Coon she does a really decent job, and this is not a spoiler because I'm pretty sure that they mentioned this in the trailer, but you know, Finn Wolfhard's character Trevor and McKenna Grace's character Phoebe, they're the grandchildren of Egon Spangler played by the late great Harold Ramis in the first movie, who we know passed away several years ago. Um, so there's a direct tie with these new characters to the original Ghostbusters. And that's absolutely a big, big story point in this film. And I like that. I like that they connected it to it. So all of these new things that they did while still tethering it to the first movie, 
I thought were all great. And you build up the tension and you don't give us too much too early. And I think that they did a good job of like giving us enough in the beginning and, and mm-hmm. sort of pacing that out. But um, as you mentioned, the fan service, it, it's a tricky thing. It's a tricky thing to balance because yeah. some of it I'm like, yes, I'm absolutely here for that. I, I like what you did there. And then there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, so we're just kind of recreating the first movie. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we're doing it almost beat by beat camera angle by camera angle going for what the first movie did there was a specific shot where i'm like that's the exact same shot from the first movie Mm -hmm. and that's where it can become a little bit of like well what are we really watching here this is this is this is less a movie and more of a a memorial to what they did in 1984 with that original film and you know sometimes it really works and sometimes Mm -hmm. it doesn't i think that we've seen in other franchises where we know that it can play really well i think about halloween since we're kind of fresh off of that the 2018 movie, spoiler if you haven't seen it, but you get that showdown between Jamie Lee Curtis and Michael Myers in the house, oh, right? Yeah. And you get the moment where he pushes her off the balcony, mm-hmm. and then he looks away, and then he looks back, and she's gone. Obviously, a callback to the original film, and I'm like, that's fucking genius. Genius. But that wasn't the entire film. Like, mm-hmm. yes, it was similar in the fact that it took place in a house, and it was just like her versus him, but they changed it up enough to where it wasn't like a shot-by-shot recreation. Whereas here, a lot of it is a shot-by-shot cre- creation, a recreation. So much so that, you know, by the final act, you get some floating shit in the sky again. And I'm like, all right, well, <laughs> not only have, not only did Ghostbusters create that and did it before, but there's been, like, so many superhero movies where it's, like, this floating thing in the sky that has to be taken get down. So it's, it gets kind of old. Uh-huh. Yeah, right, man. It's still Suicide Squad. It's like, okay, Avengers even. Like, we've done mm-hmm. that. Um, So that stuff, it's like, okay, we lean probably too heavily into that, but... It didn't derail the experience for me. Yeah. For the most part, all of the stuff really still worked out really, really well. And I think that in in, in terms of introducing a new generation to the Ghostbusters and, and, and possibly creating future iterations of this franchise, making more stories, making more movies, mm-hmm. I think that there's at least a good foundation here to build off of to do more in the future. Like, again, if you're going to if you're going to move forward with McKenna Grace, like she's the one to do it with yes. because she has so much charisma, so much natural intellect and charm and just brings such a presence even though she's like a little girl she brings mm-hmm. so much presence on screen that i would totally buy her leading more films and even finn wolfhard as we see him continue to you know mature and age up and do more things and and, and, and hopefully expand and stretch himself even more because he's really in this he's really in this you know this young teenager like horror science fiction bag a lot because he's already done stranger things and he's done other you know sort of horror films I do want to see him stretch himself, but I think that this is like a natural next step for him. So overall, I think it's mostly an enjoyable experience. And then there's obviously like some stuff that tugs at your heartstrings um, mm. towards the end of this movie, you know, to pay to pay tribute to Harold Ramis. You know, I think it, you shouldn't be surprised to know that they they absolutely give some time to that. Absolutely. Um, some people will probably be a little put off by it. Um but some other people, I think I think most people will be satisfied with it. I think they're okay with it. Mm-hmm. But we're in that weird, we're in a weird age of technology and the things that you can do. You yeah. know, and that's all I'll say about that. And 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 some people will take offense to it, and some people will enjoy it. Um, your mileage may vary, but overall, I think that this is it's 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 mostly a good film. I'd probably put it on par with the second film. Like, yeah, it's at least as good as that. Mm-hmm. You know, and um. There's enough there, I think, to to continue to do stuff with the Ghostbusters in the future if they if they choose to do so. So I mostly mostly enjoyed it. wasn't wasn't great, wasn't fantastic, but a lot of stuff I did like that took me by surprise. Yeah, man, I agree, and I think you know above all, 
we're we're here to be entertained and i was just entertained you know there was it was just a movie that i just enjoyed watching i also thought um the other character that's in the movie uh um I forgot her name. It's Finn Wolfhard has has a small little crush on a girl in the small town. Um, oh yeah, Celeste O'Connor is, her, is the actress, but I forgot her name in the movie. Um, I think it's Lucky. Lucky. But when I first seen her, I actually thought she was a a, a McLean sister. I was like, she one of the McLean sisters? Like, um, oh, she kind of looks like yeah, her. Yeah, I looked. I was like, dang, is that a McLean sister? Um, but yeah, man, I, I I thought she did a good job too with the you know with the little that she had to do. Um, but again, I was just glad to see black people. You know, in in these things, you know, of course, there's there's a uh, there's there's more spoilery things in the movie, um, in which you should watch it at some point. But it's just it's, it was just really cool to see her too. I think a lot of fun cameos too that I was yes. really surprised by. Like a lot of oh, people just pop man. up, just like you know, yeah. won't give them away because you should see it. But yeah, it's a lot of fun cameos where it's like, wait, is that? It, yeah, what, huh? yeah and it is it, it, it absolutely is. is um yeah so yeah you know i think uh, it, it is it is a crowd pleaser it is it is an entertaining flick and you know judging by what we saw in our movie i think fans of ghostbusters will appreciate this for the most part mm-hmm. you know i think that they'll be satisfied because again it's 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 leaning into that to that idea of what movies are doing a lot of big franchises are doing nowadays um, with these legacy sequels and uh it, it can go left really really quickly as we've seen before I think people have been very critical of Star Wars for what choices they made. Mm -hmm. Um, And I don't know. This one may have done it better than The Force Awakens. You know, I think in terms of like servicing the past and paying, you know, sort of paving the road for the future that 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 can be left up to each viewer. But uh, it's something to say for for sure. So we'll see what happens with the future of Ghostbusters. But those are our thoughts on Ghostbusters Afterlife. If you've seen the film, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead. And talk about our next film that we got to review, the latest biographical drama that that just debuted on HBO Max and in theaters, King Richard. What's going on? Everybody okay? They got a call. Said there was trouble in the house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, You all need to look around. It's a little wet for practice, don't you think? Don't the girls have schoolwork to do? They do their homework. Tundi's first in her class. Lynn and Isha are too. Now I don't even mind you saying we hard on these kids. You know why? Because we are. That's our job, to keep them off these streets. You want to check on the kids? Let's check on the kids. We got future doctors and lawyers, plus a couple tennis stars in this house. The chances of achieving the kind of success that you're talking about is just very, very unlikely. Okay, you're making a mistake, but I'm going to let you make it. Watch me hit a few balls. All right. So tell me your names again. I'm Venus. I'm Serena. So what'd you think? I wrote me a 78-page plan for their whole career before they was even born. Yeah, baby, yeah! (laughs) These girls so great, how come I've never heard of them? They're from Compton. It's okay. They're just not used to seeing good-looking peoples like us. She's nervous. Take a step up. Maybe she ought to take a few more steps up. Just get someplace safe. I think you might just have the next Michael Jordan. Oh, no, brother man. I got me the next, too. This next step you got to take, you're not going to just be representing you. You're going to be representing every little black girl on Earth. They're not going to let you doubt. How could you? This world ain't never had no respect for Richard Williams, but they're going to respect y'all. Oh. 
You don't walk out there with your head up. You are a champion, and the whole world knows it. The most dangerous creature on this whole earth. It's a woman who know how to think. Yes, Daddy. Ain't nothing she can't do. You gonna show them how dangerous you are? Venus and Serena gonna shake up this world. Venus Williams, who is your best friend? You, Daddy. Serena Williams, who is your best friend? Venus. Then you. Then you. After Venus. Now, this film is directed by Rinaldo Marcus Green. It's written by Zach Balin, and it's starring Will Smith, Anjanae Ellis, Sonia Sidney, Demi Singleton, Tony Goldwyn, and John Bernthal. So, this film is something we've been anticipating for quite a while because we've known that it was going to be a part of the HBO Max rollout mm-hmm. of their day-and-day releases for this year. So, we first found out really a lot about this film last year. We knew that they were filming. We heard about Will Smith, you know, sort of being behind it, but it became more of a fixture in the pop culture consciousness because of the fact that it was going to be available on HBO Max, like the rest of their 2021 slate. On top of the fact that this is very much a biographical film spotlighting the Serena uh, or the Williams sisters, excuse me, Venus and Serena Williams, um, a movie that's certainly much more about their father, Richard Williams, but obviously those two being two of the most popular and well-known athletes ever. This was certainly going to garner a lot of attention. And so we both got a chance to finally check out King Richard. And with that said, man, what did you think about this movie? Oh, man. My faith dictates that I stand by your side, but don't mistake my silence for agreement. A bar, boy. Oh, my goodness. That was a bar. Bro, when I heard that in the movie, I almost threw something against the wall. Okay. Um, y'all, if you haven't seen King Richard, just go watch it right now um because this is one of the best sports biopics all right people might think i'm crazy but of all time like that's really how (laughs) that's really how i feel about it though because sports biopics have been so formulaic for so long it's always i was down and out on this i made this change in my life or i focused on this and i became this um and of of course, some of those aspects are in this film, but I think it means it takes such a different kind of storytelling approach. I think, um, I, I for this movie specifically, I have a couple biases. One, I love Venus and Serena. I feel like I was going to love it from the get go, just because I feel like I haven't seen a lot of um, documentaries or biopics about their life, um, and I already and I was just like, I'm. I, Will Smith didn't have to be in it, and I was going to be excited to watch this movie, like because it's Venus and Serena, and they're really that caliber of athlete for me to be excited. Also, there is another level of bias because I do love Will Smith, and it's like, well, that's another aspect that was uh, that made me really excited for this film. Um, but I, I really do think they came in King Richard and did what they had to do, man. Um, I love, I love stories that are told from the point of view of people that are next to either like next to the greatness. Does that make sense? Slightly displaced oh, yeah. from the greatness. And that's what King Richard is. It's really not, it's not about Venus and Serena. It's about the father that helped them shepherd them, carried them um, to that place of greatness. And that's what 
part of what makes it so good um, because you do get the Venus in the, in the story. You do get the Serena in the story, but you really do see a different point of view of another great man that 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 people don't even talk about at all. Um, people will bring up Venus and Serena all day, but you never hear about their father, man. You you, you just don't like it's, it's just it's just something that happens. It's like imagine a documentary about, I don't know like Kobe from his mom's point of view or something, you know, what I mean? like it just, it's, it's a good idea. Um, and, and they follow through with it, man. Um, uh, something else I love about this film is just the blackness of it all, bro. I just, I can't iterate that enough, I guess, where I think if you look at some of the reviews of this film, I think there are some white people who just won't get it. They just 100%. simply won't get it. Like, yeah. Cause there's so many moments in the movie where you can feel yourself getting emotional and it's because you have the ties to that moment. You understand what they're feeling in that moment as a black family. You understand what, what, what Richard is feeling in, 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 in that moment, in that movie. And it, it, it really adds a different dynamic, I think, to the storytelling um, of what we're getting uh, in this film of King Richard, man. I really do think uh, they, they, they did something different with with this uh with this film because sure it still has a, a little formula but it shakes it up and it it makes it a great biopic with all these things included um and you know focusing on will smith is i mean oscar question mark nominee question mark you know like you have to ask it ain't a question in my mind shit because like, <laughs> he was eating the entire like there there are always moments in biopics where like there's always uh, uh, a weird nuance of a character or a weird um, I don't know something about the character and you're like oh they might have missed that slightly just a little bit but Will man his all was in this and I feel like I haven't seen him like this in a minute I don't know I'm trying to think like the last time I felt like this much energy being put into a role from him this was he was he was really doing this man kind of the same way we've been looking at, uh, we know Viola Davis is about to play um, Michelle Obama, and everyone on the internet is kind of talking about the faces that she does, like, and she and she looks just like her, and, and but I found that being true here with Will too, man. Like, uh, at at the end of this film, they do show you a lot of the clips, right? That um, of 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 King Richard himself, Richard Williams himself, uh, and it's like, damn, Will, you kind of was nailing that, you know? Like even by the end, more kept getting added to his performance after we had already watched it and it, it bro i i can't sing this movie's praises enough i actually loved it a lot i really did um i i took, personally i even loved how long it was because it's a biopic and i think we do try to shorten people's lives sometimes in these biopics sometimes they're too long don't get me wrong but other times it's like dang where's what happened to this part of their life um where even so uh uh, take something so recently i also seen the the tina broadway musical and the reason tina turner herself doesn't like the movie what's love got to do with it is because it's all about uh, uh her and ike but the reason she loves the play and she made this play was because most of her career happens after ike when she blows up and 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 the play gives attention to detail um of of those things that happen after and that's what this movie does for me too it adds it, it it may seem like a short amount of time, but it really is a, a big chunk and an important chunk of both Venus and Serena's lives um, 
to where to what their father had to do um to to get them to put them in places of success man uh but i'll leave it right there for now man i really do love king richard and i hope people get the chance to watch it soon i think it's a great thanksgiving movie to be honest uh like if if people decide to watch it tomorrow i'll be like yes a good job because part of me is like i would have loved to watch this with my mom but i might watch it again who knows you know um uh, but yeah man king richard go watch it uh i love it man what'd you think about it well, you know, you talked about the, the 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 sports biopics, and I'm a I'm a sucker for sports movies. I love sports movies. They mm-hmm. they really are one of my favorite genres. I think one of, or I think some of the best sports movies of the 21st century, um, at least the ones that I've seen, Creed is definitely up there. Moneyball yes. and yes. Warrior, like these are the these are the highlights of like sports films of the 21st century for me. And there's a lot more like classics that have come out in the 70s and the 80s. Mm-hmm. But like recently, I think in the past 20 years, those would be my three favorites. And this is now into, the, into that conversation. Like, I think that this is one of the best films of this year, undoubtedly. It's one of my favorite films of the year. What, but what's interesting about that and like the fact that it's a sports movie, it, it, it's kind of not like it's not. It is, but it's not as much of a sports movie or even a movie about tennis as as much of a movie it is about family mm-hmm. and a movie about parenting. Right. And how important that is and the spotlight of the film is on the patriarch of the family richard williams it's Mm -hmm. not as much about venus and serena obviously they are a big part of it because he was their coach he did introduce them into the world of tennis and got them um in a lot of respects to where they needed to be in order to break into that world but it's also about the black family experience and what we don't really see in the fact that like not only is it about Richard Williams, but it's about his wife. And it's also about the other children. Like, they have five daughters, right? And, like, it's about the unit as a whole. And you talked about the critics that have talked about this. Listen, there are white critics that just don't. I don't think that they get it. And I have seen a lot of things that have been said, like, oh, yeah, it doesn't really do anything new. Oh, it kind of follows the formula. And I'm like, ah, no, I don't agree with that. Just because of the fact that we don't get to see this. Us as black people, we don't we don't get to see too many positive representations of a family mm-hmm. that are doing the things that need to be done in order to to properly raise people and to put you know place them into the world and give them the responsibility and the and the knowledge that they need in order to persevere and yeah. to get through the things that they, that they need to get through and 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 understanding that there's a different level of discipline that has to be applied from black parents when they're raising black children and that's a huge huge part of this story there's mm-hmm. a there's a piece in the middle of this movie um, this is a slight, slight spoiler, but there's a piece in the middle of this movie where there's like, there's like the the cops that are called on his family because somebody thinks that that some inappropriate things are happening. Um, somebody doesn't agree with their, the way that they parent their children. And Will Smith, man, oh in that my scene, goodness, he just lays it all out on the line. Like you will understand. This is why I raise my children this way. And by the end of that monologue that he gives, you you are left with no further questions as to why he employs the tactics that he employs. And then there's a moment later on when they're interviewing Venus mm-hmm. and he has to interrupt the interview and say like, no, 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 no. This is a black girl you're interviewing. Not just any, not just a child. This is a black girl. And he had to like literally like reiterate that several times to get people to understand like you cannot deal with a black girl the same way that you're going to deal with any of these other younger tennis players it's not yeah. the same thing mm-hmm. and it's moments like that that got me so emotional just because we don't see that and yeah. we don't get that emphasis we don't get that affirmation to be seen in that way to know like no 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 we were raised in a specific type of way because we had to by necessity because mm-hmm. this world obviously 
will throw everything against us. And so there has to be a different level of resilience to, to, to understand those things. And I got to shout out the director, Ronaldo Marcus Green, for helping bring this to light because mm-hmm. he gets it. He he's he's black and Latino. He's from the Bronx. You know, he understands what that lifestyle is. He's talked about in interviews how his parents come from a very similar neighborhood. We know that the, you know, the Williams sisters, the Williams family, they were they were, you know, in Compton. Mm-hmm. This is not an easy place to grow up in. He comes from a similar place in the Bronx where he understood the language. He understood things that needed to be said and, and, and understood like visual cues that need to be implemented throughout this film. Yeah. In order to really help bring that authenticity to it, because when he got the script, he said, like, okay, this is good, but I feel like that there's a certain perspective I can bring to it to really help make this hit the things that it needs to hit and to make it more real in that way. Mm -hmm. And I think he was the perfect guy for it, honestly. You know, he directed another movie I haven't seen called Joe Bell with uh, with uh, Mark Wahlberg. I do want to see it now. But he also directed Monsters and Men which came out a few yeah. years ago. A lot of people haven't seen that movie, but good that's movie. a really, really good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and people should definitely see this about, you know, police and police brutality, but, you know, more so about the black experience and like a black policeman and what that's like to, you know, be a part of that, that system. But all that said, man, I think he did a phenomenal job, but the star here is Will Smith. He wins the movie. Yes. He absolutely, absolutely just, this is his best performance in my mind since Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. Like he hasn't been this good in anything since mm-hmm. then. That, that, that was 15 Agreed. years ago. Agreed. And that was the last time. Well, he got nominated for concussion, but nobody thought he was going to win for that. But like, I think he legitimately has a shot here. He's the front runner for, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And I think rightfully so. He's giving some of his best work ever in his career. And it just, you know, Will it, Will's one of those few celebrities that I feel like I know because he's been in our life and our so, consciousness so for so much. Mm-hmm. On top of the fact that, you know, him and his family might overshare, uh, as we can see <laughs> now in social media. <laughs> right. um, they can they could they, they could take their foot off the gas in that respect. But beyond that, with his work from him and DJ Jazzy Jeff all the way to the Fresh Prince to every movie he's done. We've just been around Will Smith for such a long time, and he's made a lot of interesting career choices. Some things that I don't really agree with. You know, I think he could. I think his career could have been greater than it even was. Not saying it wasn't great; it obviously was. He's one of the biggest superstars we have. But if he made a few different choices, I think he could have did some some more challenging work, as opposed to a lot of the blockbuster franchise work that he's done, mm-hmm. which we know he actively sought out. He wanted to be the biggest global movie star- superstar in the world, and he was mm-hmm. for a long time. But I love it when he challenges himself in a new way and he really digs down deep to show that he has the dramatic chops to act on the level of any of these guys. Like, he could be Denzel if he really, really Mm -hmm. wanted to and pursued that. And, like, if he wanted to just go on a string of, like, the next 15 years making Denzel-like movies, like, giving that type of performance every time out, he has the ability to. And so the fact that we get to see it here, Mm -hmm. I just really, really love that. And I, I think he just... He absolutely blows it out of the water and does just such a phenomenal job. But not only that, the rest of this cast as well. Anjanae Ellis as his wife is extraordinary. It's so easy to paint the wife as the wet blanket, as the person who doesn't see the vision, as the person who who isn't on board with what's happening. But that's not the case here. She's training them just as much. She's just as much responsible for their success as Richard Williams is. And we get those moments where she has to bite back and she has to let him know, like, no, 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 no. I'm here for a specific reason. I do see the vision. I, 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 shit, I'm as responsible for this as you are. And that moment is important because we don't ever get to see that from black women, especially as it, as it relates to the black men in their life in these mm-hmm. movies. And so, 
man, I just, you know, we can go on and on and on, but this is, this is just a phenomenal film. I think that, you know, it's going to stick around. Um, I think it's going to find its audience over time as well. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's not going to be the most popular film out the gate right now, but I think it's going to stick around because it's that good and yeah. uh, good movies always persevere in my mind and they always find a way to stick around. So it was phenomenal. I think it's going to get all the recognition that it should hopefully get when war season comes around because it, it, it deserves it. I agree, man. Um, also, shout out to young, um, young Sonia Sidney, too, for playing Venus. She was also a pretty big face in this movie in terms of how much she was on screen. I think she killed it. She's, I don't know who her agent is, but they're killing it. Like, she's been in, like, Fences and Fast Color, like, nothing but fresh movies <laughs> um, she's been in. So, just shout out to her, too, man, because she's also killing it. But also, shout out to... Uh, the even the idea that th- this is a movie with a good black father yeah how many of those do we have i can i can really count them cuz it 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 really just doesn't exist so this movie really did just accomplish a lot it really like more i think more than people understand again i was talking about things that other people who aren't black won't understand and i think us being able to watch this movie and be like, dang, this is a good black dad. You know, I don't think a lot of people will recognize that. And I think that means something else for us too, but all agreed, man. I think we're on the same page here. Yeah. Yeah. And it's certainly, I think you, you pointed this out and I feel similarly, like if you didn't know that much about Richard Williams, I think it's easy to just like assume in your mind, like, Oh, this is going to be like a crazy father story. Mm -hmm. Like he's going to be, he's going to be the worst. And that's not the case. Like he's he's absolutely a, a, a mostly positive force. But the the other big thing about this movie that I do just want to quickly point out before we move on, they don't skirt around his um, his, his his the things faults. that hold him back. Actually, right. yeah, his mm-hmm. faults. They don't skirt around that stuff. They, they actually don't. do address it. Like this man can't be overbearing. He can be a little bit too protective, right? Like there there does have to be a line that's drawn, and they don't they don't skate around that. And like there there's some. You know, if you look at like real life Richard Williams interviews, it's like, oh, you know, is he really just doing this for himself? Is mm. he really just like trying to be in the spotlight himself and vicariously live through his children? That can be questioned. And obviously his relationships with his his current wife and his other wives, he's been married multiple times. Like there's some there's some inhibitions about him that that are addressed in this movie. And I don't I, I like the fact that they don't paint him paint him out to be a perfect individual because he's far from it. Right. But there's a critical scene in this movie on the tennis court when he goes to talk to to Venus where you really get to the essence of his character and why he does the things that he that he does. Mm-hmm. And that damn near brought me to tears. Many other things did bring me to tears watching this. Like, if you just yep. emotionally can resonate with this movie, um, it's going to hit you. It's going to absolutely hit you. Absolutely. So can't recommend this enough. Uh, easily, I think, one of my favorite films of this year and probably will stay there. Um, we'll see how the rest of the year shakes out. But this is a high, high recommendation, obviously, from both of us. And it's, it's on HBO Max. If you don't feel comfortable going to the movies, it's right there on streaming for you right now. So those are our thoughts on King Richard. If you've seen the film, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition and talk about the next movie that we have on our list. A new movie from Netflix, Passing. Pardon me, I don't mean to stare, but I think I know you. Claire? Mm-hmm. I'm trying to find out the history of the blonde you've brought along. She's a girl from Chicago I used to know. Princess from Chicago. Things aren't always what they seem. I'll be damned. 
Lots of people pass all the time. It's easy for a Negro to pass for white. I'm not sure it'd be so simple for a white person to pass for color. So you haven't ever thought to? What? Have you ever thought of passing? No, why should I? Now I have everything I've ever wanted. This is my husband, John Bellew. Does he know? But you dislike Negroes, Mr. Bellew. No, 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 not at all. I hate them. <laughs> <laughs> Extraordinarily beautiful. I suppose. Your life is perfect. Have you ever thought of what you'd do if John found out? I'd do what I want more than anything right now. I'd come up here to live with you. You think they'd be satisfied being white? Who's satisfied being anything? Passing for something or other? Aren't we? Now, this film is written and directed by Rebecca Hall, and it's starring Tessa Thompson, Ruth Nega, Andre Holland, Bill Camp, Bange Akinagbe, Antoinette Crow Legacy, and Alexander Skarsgård. So, Rebecca Hall is an actor, and she's making her feature film. <laughs> directorial debut here we talked about her earlier this year with the night house which mm-hmm. is a movie that just came out but she's here directing um for the first time and this is a black and white film um that just recently debuted on netflix a smaller film that's been getting been getting looked at and been talked about been talked about uh quite a bit lately i got a chance to check this out uh a couple of weeks ago and just to get straight into it, man, I gotta say that this is a—I think that this is a really, this is a really solid directorial debut for Rebecca Hall, and it's mm-hmm. also a bit surprising to see her tackle this type of subject matter. And if you don't know, this is this is mostly a movie about light-skinned black women who are effectively passing white mm, passing, white passing, um, and they're okay. navi- and they're and they're navigating the world in that way. One of them in particular, Ruth Nega, like she. She has absolutely embraced the fact her character Claire that she is a white passing individual and she's living this way. She's she's married to a wealthy white man who's from Chicago who believes that she's white. She's absolutely embracing this identity and using it to her advantage and and, and using it as leverage mm-hmm. um, and then probably even using it in a way to to, to protect herself to 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 you know uphold a level of safety mm. for herself and. Um, it's a really difficult thing to tackle. I think it's really difficult subject matter that that can make you feel uncomfortable because there were people like this who 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 existed in this way and who did this. And it's a it's a really compelling look at at a specific time in America because it is a period piece, mm-hmm. right? It's it's set um it's set in the 1930s, I believe. And so looking at a specific period where obviously like black people weren't safe, they couldn't freely do anything that they wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and some people felt the need to resort to this type of method in order to live somewhat of a productive and conducive lifestyle, you know, to 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 live to live in that way. It, it's troubling to think like, man, this this shit really went down. Um, even though we have all the context to know that like, yeah, that we were truly capable of living in a in a society like this. But be that as it may, man, I think that this is a solid film. It doesn't 100% work for me just because I think that at times the story isn't as interesting. Like the characters are interesting, but I don't know if the story 100% lives up to the to the characters and just like how much they bring to this movie. Um, I just wish that some of the filmmaking style and some of the choices that were made were a little bit more dynamic, a little bit more interesting, 
a little bit quicker pace. It is a slower, more quiet movie, which works in some cases. Um, but this one, I think, could have used a little bit more in that respect. Mm. But with that said, I think overall, this this is still an important, important like story to tell and an important movie to check out, just because we don't really get to see stuff like this as you know, really ever um, stories that are told like this. And I think that like Ruth Nega in particular, she's extraordinary. Um, her performance is, is heartbreaking. It's really troubling to see that the psychological effect is taking a hold on her and she has to, you know, navigate the world in this way. Uh, Tessa Thompson is also remarkable here. I think she does a tremendous job. You know, all of those people did really, really tremendous to me, even the supporting cast as well. Um, I just, I just think that, you know, the actual script and the story that, that took place could have been a little bit more interesting. Um, and maybe not as, maybe not as quiet as it was. It was a bit more of a quiet meditative movie, um, that sort of just like followed characters in their life as, as opposed to something that was actually happening. Um, so it's good. It's good for me. It isn't great. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I think that overall, like I do gotta, you know, just give a shout out to Rebecca Hall for taking on this this story, her first time out ever. Like it's a risky thing to do, um, and it's a challenging thing to do. But I think she handled it really well. Actually, I think she handled it really well. I think it was responsibly done. Um, and then again, you know, the two lead actresses here, Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega, both doing an incredible jobs. So there's a lot to like about it for sure, and there's a lot to come back to 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 really have a profound experience. Um, it just doesn't cross the threshold of being like a tremendously like great film for me. It isn't, it isn't one of the best things that I've seen this year, but it is mostly a good film. Hmm, it's interesting. I, I didn't even know that this was a book um, before. And I'm, I'm, I'm interested in, I don't know. I feel like that, that was always something a movie or of course, there is like critical race theory and colorism. People talk about all that stuff. But I never thought about this uh, just just white passing as a concept for a movie. Um, mm. If you had to give this, if you had to pick a category for this to get an Academy look, what category would it be? Would it be one of the actors? Uh, would it be what? What would it be? Yeah, that's a good question. I mean, I. You know, I, I don't know if it will. Mm -hmm. um, it, it may. I, I think we obviously still have a lot to see. But if it were to get recognized, mm -hmm. I would definitely say cinematography. It, it's gorgeous. You know, this mm. is a black and white movie, right? And so it's a gorgeous film to look at. It's incredibly well shot and very much well made. The costume and production design is also really impressive. So it might it might get recognized in those respects for sure. Um, but I don't I don't foresee it landing in, in anything in terms of script or performances, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Like, I do think that both Tessa Thompson and Ruth Nega do an incredible job here. If anybody were to get nominated, it would be Ruth, if you ask me, because of just like how how um, how deep she had to go and, and how troubling it is to see her embody this role um, because it could frustrate you and it can also, you know, again, break your heart. So I think there's some nuance and complexity to her. So if anybody were to get nominated for a performance, it would be her. I'm, I'm not sure it'll go that far though. Mm -hmm. I would be, I would be honestly a little surprised if it did, but I, I, I hope it does again, because this is, this is two black women, you know, at the forefront of a film. Yeah. I would, I would love for it to get acknowledged in that way because of the subject matter and for what they brought to the movie. Um, I just don't know if it's that strong, but it does seem like it has strong word of mouth. At least it seems like that there's a lot of, 
a lot of people talking about it, which is mm-hmm. the you know that's what you that's what you want, especially out of this type of movie. You want people talking about it and, and really discussing it and, and and picking it apart and writing you know pieces about it and things of that nature. So we'll see, we'll see. I, ho- I hope it gets more more credit than I'm even giving it at this point now. But I did like it. I do think that there's enough there. We'll just have to wait and see what happens when award season rolls around. But those are my thoughts on passing. If you checked out the film on Netflix, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think about it. Let's go ahead and transition to another black and white film, a new film from director Kenneth Branagh, Belfast. We all have a story to tell. But what makes each one different is not how the story ends, but rather the place where it begins. Holy God. Mama says if we went across the water, they wouldn't understand the way we talk. If they can't understand you, then they're not listening. You know who you are, don't you? Your buddy from Belfast, where everybody knows you. Hey, buddy! Your mom's calling you yes. We're looking to cleanse the community a wee bit. You wouldn't want to be the old man out in this street. Touch my family and I'll kill you. We'll fight this together. This is it. This is what? This is war. We're living in a civil war. What do you want? I want my family with me. I want you. Kids the same age as ours are getting killed. We can give these boys a better chance than we ever had. Now, as I mentioned, this film is written and directed by Kenneth Branagh, and it's starting Katarina Balfe, Judy Dench, Jamie Dornan, Sirian Hines, Colin Morgan, and Jude Hill. So, Belfast is the latest uh, film from director Kenneth Branagh, legendary filmmaker, also mm-hmm. a really great actor as well. He does it; he kind of does it all. He writes, directs, he produces. Um, for for our general audience out there, if you don't know, he made the first Thor film. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's kind of like the biggest thing that he's done. But he's made a lot of other you know works as well. He's also, I think, most recently known for for directing the Murder on the Orient Express film mm-hmm. that came out a few years ago. We're still waiting on that sequel. Um, I feel like that's been delayed like. 12 times so i don't know when that's coming out (laughs) death on the nile Mm -hmm. um but he's also a part of that franchise but here he's taking on you know very much smaller subject matter this is a drama film um with a little bit of comedy in it as well that just came out and it's also semi-autobiographical it's 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 very much a personal story that that it's meaning to resemble um i think a lot of things that happened in his early childhood here and so we're seeing something similar to what happened with roma a few years ago with alfonso Cuaron, um who who made that incredible film but right. with that said man what did you think about belfast i did not see belfast actually oh okay i thought i got you i thought i thought i thought you had checked it out well i can go ahead and get into it then uh belfast i mean 
this is uh this is something I was interested in just because of the fact that again Kenneth Branagh mm-hmm. making a movie that is reflective of a lot of experiences that he went through mm-hmm. um as a young child here and and it's in it's in a very tumultuous time period it's happening in the 1960s in northern ireland and it's a tumultuous time because there's a lot of riots that are happening in that in that area based on people's religious preferences right Mm. there's uh people who are catholic there's people who are protestants and there's just like a lot of upheaval happening and so it's very personal in that way because this is obviously an environment that he he's very familiar with and Mm -hmm. he's growing up around that around that area and so you have a family that's like trying to figure out how to navigate this like they're trying to live a a normal life and you they have these teenage or not teenage but they have these young boys like one is a teenage boy and then the other character is a younger boy um they're they're trying to you know grow up and navigate these really troubling circumstances and so um i think from that perspective like the fact that it's like a peek into his young life it's it's really interesting and it's another black and white film, just like Passing, and that was also an interesting choice because there's moments of color in the movie that are a little bit illuminating. I'm, I'm, I was interested in why they were in color, but most of it is in black and white, mm-hmm. and I think that that actually added to the movie because it's a throwback. You know, it's 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 sort of meant to reflect like this older time, this this time period of like the 1960s. What did surprise me is like the amount of comedy that's in it. It's actually mm-hmm. quite funny at times, and I I didn't expect that. I was very much. Um, I was very much like pleased at like how much laughter there was all throughout that. And I found that that, you know, to be like really, really cool. And Judy Dench in particular and Syrian Hans, they kind of held a lot of those comedic moments for me, which mm-hmm. is really good because they're like, they're playing the grandfather and the grandmother. And that's like anybody's grandparents are, you know, probably going to be funny in somebody's mm-hmm. family. Like they're usually the ones that are bringing the comedy. And so I thought that that was really good. But, um, you know, the, the, the lead role here is kind of, you know, reserved for the character, um, buddy played by Jude Hill, who is the, if I'm not mistaken, he is the young boy that is supposed to be representative of a young Kenneth Branagh growing up in this time. And mm. he was extraordinary. He just did an impressive job. Um, again, another young actor coming in and just like nailing it all together. And I'm just like, wow. <laughs> Something going you, on. If you ch- yeah, if you choose to, he can have a really, really long career here and be really, really, um, have a really impressive career in, ho- in Hollywood. And mm-hmm. I just I just loved what he brought to the role and just like the the youthful energy that he had you know sometimes he was naive but sometimes he was like really earnest and just like really charming and all of that stuff really worked for me um and this is a it's not as quiet as a passing i would say because there is more that happens like there's definitely more energy to it just based on the fact that there's like there's violent moments and Mm -hmm. that's like troubling to see but um the, the fact that it's like a coming of age story obviously all of us can relate to that you know, growing up and what that means. And then also like leaving home and, and, and that idea and how hard that is. And, and nobody really prepares you for that in life. And a lot of that story is about this, like what's it like to leave home and have to like leave behind people that you love and care about. If you, if you choose to aspire to do more, like maybe, maybe your home isn't the best place for you and you want to go elsewhere. Um, but then you have those other people who home is like everything for them and they just want to stay. And I liked how it examined, that 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 difference between people and that difference between family members mm-hmm. because it is a difficult thing to deal with and to navigate um so all of that stuff really worked for me um the only i, I guess the only criticisms i have for it like it could have been similar to passing i think it could have just like been more dynamic it could have been a little bit more um ener- energetic it just didn't wow me all the time i, mm-hmm. I think from a from a from a filmmaking perspective in terms of cinematography and and costumes and 
all of that stuff just like really, really worked well. At, at times, it just kind of dragged a little bit, which is interesting because it's not the longest movie. It's only 97 minutes, but it felt it felt a little oddly paced at times, like not that much was happening. And so I felt like it could have, it could have done even a little bit more. We kind of could have gotten a little bit more from the story and from the characters at certain points, but it was, it was good though. It was really good. This one also was getting a lot of, you know, attention and word of mouth. And so we'll probably hear about it more, um, as award season rolls around. Um, and it's also, you know, a smaller film, a semi, semi autobiographical film, Mm -hmm. typically the type of movie that the Academy really appreciates and loves. So, wouldn't be surprised if it gets more attention, but overall, I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, if I have to compare it again to Roma, it's certainly not as, I don't think it's as profound as that experience was for me because that mm-hmm. just like that just That's knocked a, me out. Yeah, it was that was that was a huge, huge like emotional experience. But this one is uh, sort of like existing within within that same space, and I think it mostly mostly did a good job. Cinematography wise, passing or Belfast. Oh man, I. That's so tough. I think uh, <laughs> they both black and white. I don't know. Yeah, they, yeah, both like going for the black and white throwback aesthetic. Ah, I guess I don't know. I really don't know. I mean, I I could I could possibly I could possibly just say Belfast just because of mm-hmm. how many more environments were involved. Yeah. Like there were just more. I think that there was just more to shoot. Passing is even smaller in scope than Belfast mm-hmm. is, um, and they're both small movies. But I think Belfast had like just more to do and more to shoot and was a little bit more interesting visually at times than passing was. Um, Cause there were moments of color and those moments like were jarring because it's like, Oh, we're in color now. So mm, okay. if I had to pick, I would say that, but they're kind of, they're kind of neck and neck. I'm not going to lie. They're kind of neck and neck. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, what happens when, a, when award season roll, rolls around, if either of them get acknowledged, but hopefully they do. Cause they're both tremendous um, in that way. So definitely we'll see. Those are my thoughts on Belfast. If you've seen it, definitely hit us up. Let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and move on to another Netflix film that just debuted. A new film from director Lin-Manuel Miranda, a musical, in fact, Tick, Tick, Boom. Hello. Hi. Welcome. I'm Jonathan Larson. I am 29 years old. I work at the Moondance Diner. Check. One sec. Do we take reservations? No, we do not take... We're, we're a diner. I have an original rock musical. Hey, boy genius. That I have spent the last eight years of my life writing. He's getting out. You're gonna be rich and famous. And rewriting. Did you crack it yet? Oh, I'm getting so close. And rewriting. Can I hear it? Any day now. Eight years! And the time keeps ticking. Tick, tick. You need to ask, are you letting yourself be led by fear or by love? Fear, a hundred percent fear. I don't know what the show is. Why do we play with fire? What if the workshop happens and nothing changes? What then, Jonathan? Maybe I'm just wasting my time. Do you know how many Jonathan Larsons there are? One. Why should we blaze a trail? There's not enough time. I went to three friends' funerals last year, and nobody is doing enough. I'm not doing enough. Try writing about what you know. What does it take to 
a tragedy to give up what you have. Take off and Fear or love, baby, don't say the answer. Actions speak louder than Now, as I mentioned, this is directed by Lin-Manuel Miranda and its feature film directorial debut. And it's written by Stephen Levinson and it's starring Andrew Garfield, Alexandra Shipp, Robin DeJesus, Joshua Henry, Judith Light, and Vanessa Hudgens. So Lin-Manuel Miranda, we talked about him earlier this year um, within the Heights. Um, He did not direct that, but that was obviously adapted from his musical. Um, Here he is directing his first film ever with Tick, Tick, Boom. And it's very much... Still leaning into the idea of Broadway and telling a story about Broadway. This is, in fact, another biopic. This is a biographical drama that's also a musical. And it's telling the story of Jonathan Larson. And if you don't know Jonathan Larson, he's most known for creating Rent, which is one of the most popular Broadway shows ever. Mm -hmm. Um, He also created other shows such as Tick, Tick, Boom. That was the show that preceded Rent. Um, as well as another show called Superbia, which a lot of this story is about, in fact. Um, but Rent, of course, is really his um, his his claim to fame. And most people, you know, in the Broadway world remember him, obviously, for being responsible for Rent. But it's also tragic because on the day of the previews for Rent, before it really went out into the world, um, he passed away, unfortunately. Um, very much prematurely, he passed away. And so this movie is telling the story of his life up until that point. And I got a chance to check this out on Netflix. And I got to say, you know, I really, really enjoyed this a lot. I think that uh, certain people are fans of musicals and it's not for everybody, right? Like musicals are a thing that I think that some people really are attracted to and find a lot of... Uh, find a lot of praise in and really, mm-hmm. really sort of gravitate towards those types of stories. Some people are kind of in the middle, like, oh, I can do with them. I can do without them. It doesn't really matter. Um, I, for one, really, really enjoy musicals a lot. I've seen quite a few here on Broadway myself since I've been here. And, you know, we've talked about them a few on the show, like In the Heights and, and you know, Hamilton, of course. I, I love that. And obviously, Lin-Manuel Miranda is responsible for for both of those. So him for him to come in and direct this, it makes sense. Like, I think that directorial you know, choice makes sense. And he obviously has aspirations to be a filmmaker in that respect. And so I think the real shining light of this movie is Andrew Garfield though, you know, as, mm. as Jonathan Larson, he's just giving, he he's, he's, he's wholly committed to this role. He's giving his absolute all so much so that he learned to sing for this movie. Mm-hmm. He literally learned to sing because that was not something in his wheelhouse, but he just went all the way forward. He went, completely in to, to, to you know to really develop his voice and to develop those notes and those vocal cords that he had had to get into to, to be this person to be Jonathan Larson who was extremely talented you know a writer and a singer and a performer in so many respects and yeah his commitment is just on another level here um, I think that this is another possible shoe-in in terms of being acknowledged for you know award consideration in terms of acting I, I would not be at all surprised if Andrew Garfield comes out of this 
getting a best actor nomination and i i would i would support it and champion it because he's that good in this movie and i didn't know much about jonathan larson coming into this and you know this kind of informed me a good amount of you know who he was and why he's so important to the broadway world obviously this is not meant to be a documentary the historical accuracy isn't going to be 100 percent but in in terms of telling a theatrical cinematic movie i think that this really illuminated how hard it is to break into that world and how him as a creative visionary has to go back to the drawing board over and over and over. Mm-hmm. You have to keep writing and writing and writing until you find something that's going to resonate. Like you might write what you think is the best thing ever and perform it in front of an audience. And that's great. But that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to take off and become the next big thing. Mm-hmm. People just might like it and say like, oh, good job. But the whole point is like you need to write the next one and then the next one and then the next one and then the next one. Like you have to keep going and going and going and that perseverance that you have to have. All of that stuff really worked out because it is a story about that. And it, it, it's mostly a story, too, about time running out and feeling like you don't have enough time to achieve the dreams that you that you have for yourself. Yeah. And that um, that's something that that can obviously, I think, resonate for a lot of us as we get older. We, we place these limitations and these 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 deadlines for ourselves that we have to achieve certain things by, you know, whatever deadline we set for ourselves. Mm. That's not always true. Right. But sometimes right. it is. And, and it's a uh, it's a tough thing to deal with. I also want to shout out, you know, in thinking about that, I want to shout out Robin Day Jesus um, in this movie who's playing this character, Michael. He's playing Jonathan's best friend. And. Robin De Jesus was in the original cast of Rent. Like he he was on he was or I don't know if he was in the original cast. He might have been, but he was he was definitely a part of Rent. And he's, mm-hmm. you know, been on Broadway, like he's been around that world for a long time. So having him a part of this movie, and he's playing a character um who who very much understands the concept of time running out, right? And that's all I'll say. But like everything that he brings to this role, he brings a real humanity and, and sensitivity to just like everything that needs to happen here. Um, Vanessa Hudgens, she doesn't have a huge role in this, but I thought she did really good. She's like getting back to the singing in this movie. Yeah. She was very, very impressive. She was, I'm also like, oh, in Rant. She was in uh Rant on Broadway, well, not Broadway, but like Hollywood Bowl in 2010. That's one of her. Oh, wow, I didn't even know that. Video. So yeah, mm-hmm. you know, to that point, there's so many, yeah, that like, Again, Lin Manuel Miranda like directing this movie. There, there's a lot of connections to that world that he like. He, there's there's a ton of cameos in this movie too. Like Felicia Rashad has a cameo, and she mm. obviously has been on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Renee Elise Goldsberry and Philip Sue were both in Hamilton. Like yep. he's tapping into a lot of Broadway actors. Uh, Beth Malone and you know Brian Stokes Mitchell, like a lot of people that have been a part of that world. So mm-hmm. it's very much like a, a tribute to that and a love letter to that world. And and I appreciate that, and I think Broadway fans will appreciate that. But even if you aren't into musicals, mm-hmm. really. I think a lot of the music works and I think you can still get tapped into the story. And so overall, it's something I would recommend. I do think it's enjoyable enough. And as a, as a story looking into the window of a person's life, who's trying to, you know, really break through and, and achieve his dreams. Like it's inspirational in that way. And Andrew Garfield really knocked it out of the park for me. A lot of people also know that Tay Diggs was in the original Broadway cast for rent. He um, sure was. He sure yeah. Was. People don't know that. A lot of people don't know that. Um, but, uh, I can't wait to watch this. I love musicals. I think Rand is great too. Um, and just to to again see the life of the way Jonathan Larson was thinking, I think is important. But also to see Andrew Garfield act is so fun for me um, because we all know like once you're Spider Man, <laughs> that's, that's who you are. That's who you are, man. And this dude has been just like killing it. If you haven't seen Hacksaw Ridge, go watch it. The main character mm-hmm. name is Desmond. That's very important for me. Uh, <laughs> oh, it is, isn't it? it I is. forgot about that. It is. Yeah, it's it's, it's amazing. Um, and uh, one other question: Is this 
Did Alex Ship do a good job in this movie? Ah, uh, that's a good question because we talk about <laughs> we talk about Alexandra it's, Ship a lot it's on this show. Never heard though. She just has a terrible agent. Like yeah, all whoever. her movies are bad. She she has, <laughs> she's been in like one good movie, and that's Love Simon. That's like the only good movie she's ever been in. So yeah, Love Simon was good, but no, that that's a good question. And yes, she is absolutely. She good. is really good in this. And I was I, I you know it's so funny because I thought about you when you when you just said I'm like <laughs> oh Desmond would appreciate this because it's not only her being good, but she's in a good movie. In a good so movie. it's like yeah, yeah. We're, we're we're finally winning winning with Alex <laughs> Ship. No, she I think she was really great. You know I think um. You know, she's playing Jonathan's girlfriend in this movie, and mm-hmm. obviously that takes a toll on her because of just how committed he is to achieving his dream. And, you know, we've seen the tale, the cautionary tale of, like, people who are absolutely driven to achieve their goals and to be the best at whatever it is that they do and how that impacts the people around you. That's a big story here as well. Mm-hmm. Like, not only time running out for yourself, but also time running out for maybe the people around you and what that might mean and their relationships with you. Mm-hmm. And she's, she's sort of playing that role, you know, being his girlfriend who... She has her own dreams, but her own dreams, at least at that point in time, aren't big enough, you know, to 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 to, to take priority over Jonathan's dreams. Wow. And we see how that takes shape over the course of the story. And I thought she did really good here. Um, you know, by the second half of the movie, she didn't have as much to do. Mm-hmm. So it would have been nice to see her a little bit more. But she does have a musical number here that was also really, really well done. Um, and I really liked it because there was like a song that's like about her in the movie. And so it, it story wise, it made sense. So I was glad to see her do well. But uh, you're right, though, man. Andrew Garfield, these the, the press got to stop asking him about Spider-Man because he's done just so much more tremendous work beyond that. You know, he's just such a he's such a good actor. And I'm, I'm so glad he's having this year right now. He, he's having this moment because mm-hmm. he was in the eyes of Tammy Faye. I talked about that earlier uh, this yes. year. Did a great job in that too. Like a really good performance. Like it was it was Jessica Chastain's movie. She absolutely she's the one who wins that movie. If anybody gets acknowledged for acting performance, it's going to be her. But he was really good in terms of being like the co-lead and the support. Um and now he's having this moment to really be the person carrying this film. And I just thought he did a, a phenomenal, phenomenal job. He really embodied just that creative bold spirit and energy of Jonathan Larson, I think, and just the talent and the dedication of him learning how to sing and him doing choreography and dancing just thought it was all great. The only criticism I would have is like, this is Lin-Manuel Miranda's first movie as a director, you know, could have been, could have been a little bit better directed at certain points in times. You know, he does sometimes it's a little busy what he does with the camera. Uh, occasionally like you can tell he's trying to be like stylistic and make choices Mm. um and be interesting sometimes a little bit too busy you know he doesn't have to go that far into it i think there's like beauty in the simplicity of like certain shots that could have been could have been implemented but you know beyond that i don't really have too many criticisms about it i think this is a a really entertaining film so hopefully hopefully we see what happens and hopefully more people will see it because i think it's definitely worth seeing so those are my thoughts on tick tick boom if you've seen it definitely hit us up and let us know what you think let's go ahead and transition Something else that Netflix just dropped. Netflix got a whole lot coming out. A brand mm-hmm. new animated television series that just debuted, Arcane. When I was a kid, me and my sister, we played a game where we pretended to chase monsters away. I'd say, no monster's gonna get you when I'm here. Then a real monster showed up. I have to find her. The world's growing smaller every day. 
the surface. The topsiders are leaving the Undercity further behind. I believe I've discovered something incredible. A way to harness magic through science. You don't understand what's at stake. Power doesn't come to those who are born strongest. It comes to those who will do anything to achieve it. Imagining yourself a hero. Then what are you waiting for? More lives may be lost. The Undercity cannot be controlled. Then we have to go in by force. What have you done with my sister? I'll give her your regards. Cycle of violence will never stop. She's too far gone. I have to try. You've got a good heart. Don't ever lose it. Protect the family. Are we still sisters? Nothing is ever going to change that. Now, this series is created and written by Christian Link and Alex Yee. It's directed by Pascal Cheroux and Armand Arnaud Delore, and it's based on League of Legends from Riot Games. And the voice actors in the cast are Haley Steinfeld, Mia Sinclair Genis, Haley Purnell, Kevin Alejandro, Katie Leung, and Tox Alagadoye. Um, so this series just recently premiered on Netflix. And what's interesting about this, not only you know the fact that it's based on a video game, um, League of Legends, it's also been released in a different way than Netflix traditionally releases things. They've mm-hmm. actually implemented a weekly release strategy. It's not been all dropped at once. They've released, I believe it's been three episodes per week for the past yep. three weeks. So you got the first three and then the second three and then the final three for a total of nine episodes in this season. And I believe it's already been greenlit for a season two, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, yeah. So we have both gotten a chance to check out at least a few episodes of this show. I know we both have to finish it. But with that said, what did you think so far about what you've seen from Arcane? Yeah, man, I've watched the first three episodes. Um, and before we get into it, it needs to be noted that this was the show that dethroned Squid Game, um, which wow. is wild because Squid Game was number one Yikes. for a long time. Uh, but I, I have to preface this by saying I'm a huge League of Legends head and nerd. It was the game I was introduced to my freshman year of college. I'm pretty hmm. sure I have lost grades over this goddamn video game from a's to b's and b's to c's from playing this too much um and it's probably the game i've played for the longest again i started playing around 2012 which is a couple years into the video games um um uh beginning and here we are in 2021 and people are still playing it uh and it's it's known to be one of the most uh played video games in the world and one of those reasons is it's free to play. League of Legends is a free game to play. You can literally just download mm. it and start playing. There's no pay to win. There's no none of that. You you might 
you you just have to kind of unlock characters and that's kind of how it goes but the the widespread popularity popularity of this game is still like un- unlike anything i've ever seen the only thing i could compare it to uh from again just my knowledge of video games is world of warcraft in terms of how many people how much reach that game has had but league of legends is it's 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 there's no language barrier i mean it's like all over the world you can find somebody who plays league of legends um and it's one of those and easily one of my favorite games of all time in terms of how much time i have put into it um and here we are with with the net this netflix uh adaption of some of the lore of league of legends man like one i couldn't believe it was coming out um but two i couldn't believe that it was this good it is really Mm. really really good um the the it starts off as being about two of the two big characters in the league of legends game one his name is vi and the other one's name is jinx who in this at the beginning her name was powder and they kind of take you on the journey to how she 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 ends up being jinx in the video game um but it really is a treat man the animation is wild and what i love about the animation it actually sticks close to a lot of the character design in the game like if you went to go, if you watched Arcane first without knowing, having any previous knowledge of the game, went to go play the game, you'd be like, "Damn, am I playing the the show or the game? What's, what's, <laughs> what's going on here?" But they they really stick um um to 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 their guns here. Well, when it comes to this man, it, it, League of Legends really is a rich lore, but it's not like a uh, for instance, I don't know, it's not like Ghost of Tsushima where it's just right beat by beat, right? A lot of the lore you have to go seek. Um, in like character pages or you got to watch a League of Legends video that they put out or something. It's not it's not one of those games where you just know lore automatically. So being able to have a TV show like this that explains kind of some of the lore that might not be um, so in front of your face has been really great to see, man. And they're flushing it out so, so, so very well. There are areas that they talk about in the game that characters are from that they put it where there's this piltover is they're just doing a good job. And that's from a from somebody who plays League of Legends coming to the to, to the world of Arcane. And the, the black character design is amazing. There's this character named Mel who I mean, yes, it's a black woman. They're killing it. There's uh, one of the. Um, Another character named Echo, who I used a lot in League of Legends. Another black kid mm. who is phenomenal. He just looks good. Like every time I'm watching it, I'm like, "Damn, this is good animation." And, it, and they look like the character. And uh, it, it it's just really cool to see a lot of these characters that you know I learned over these years be put into this TV show. Because like even before they say anything, I'm, I was like, "Oh, is that Echo?" And they're like, "Hey, my name is Echo." And I'm like, "Yes." Like it's it's, right. it's it's like the fan service that you you you'd like to see. You know, um, and it, it, again, it's just a good job across the board. It's a really good story. You don't have to know anything about League of Legends, which is a very, very big point. I think about this is another reason why I think it's doing so well is that everybody who's watching this hasn't seen League of Legends and they're still enjoying it. Um, there are kids out there who League of Legends is a complicated game. Like in my mind, I, it's it's really hard to play until you're like. I'd say like 14, 15. There's so many concepts in the game you have to understand and mechanics you have to understand to be really, really good at the game. But I feel like kids being introduced to Arcane again as a TV show, I think it's going to go to the moon because it's already one of the most watched and played video games in the world. So this introduction from Netflix is going to really just do something else. But I'm enjoying it so far. I've only watched the first three episodes. Um, I watched them the day they came out. uh, it's just really good. It's simple as that, man. I'm, I'm I'm glad to be here as a League of Legends fan, um, but also as somebody who just loves animation. 
I am that person that you mentioned that is, you know, not familiar with League of Legends. That was a game that I, I, I never got a chance and opportunity to play. And so when I saw that the show was out, I was like, oh, I've heard of that before, but I, I just wasn't exposed to the world. And so I was a little hesitant coming into it because I'm like, damn should I have played the games before I started this show? <laughs> but then, you know, did a little research and it was uh, a lot of people shared the same sentiment. Like, no, this is something that you can just dive into without any pre-existing knowledge and be fine. And I was like, okay, let's give it a chance. And so I've seen the first two episodes myself and so far, man, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely impressed. Mm -hmm. uh, a lot, a lot of that impressiveness is purely just for the animation style. It is, oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. It is so gorgeous. Um, uh, the combination and the blend of like CGI animation versus like traditional hand drawn is yeah. like it's not noticeable, but it it is in like the best ways. It's like you can like if you pay attention to animation styles, you can see like, oh my goodness, this is this is implementing multiple different styles of animation and it mm -hmm. looks beautiful. And as you mentioned, is very, very faithful to what the video game looks like. And I, I went and looked at videos and I was like, Oh, this is this is like a one for one sort of deal. Like they just stuck to that original style, which is, you know, I'm sure something that a lot of fans of the League of Legends actually really appreciated because you're still, you know, sort of existing within like the very similitude of that world. Like it still feels connected to it, right. even though this is an adaptation. And so um, overall, I'm really impressed with this so far. I can't wait to like dive deeper into it and to get into these nine episodes because mm -hmm. right now, like just the first couple of episodes, like it's very slowly getting into the story. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously I, I'm amazed at the beauty of it. Um, but I know that the story is like starting to pick up, especially like with the second episode that I just watched. I'm like, okay, now we're, we're really mm -hmm. getting into it. And, and as you mentioned, man, I mean, it's just, it's getting widespread acclaim across the board. Like, I don't know if I've come across a negative thing about it. And I'm just like, okay, like I'm even seeing some folks say like, this is one of the best animated things that they've ever seen in history, period. Like, and I'm just like that, that's high praise. Right. And so, yeah. um, I'm anticipating really, really great things out of this show so far. I do really enjoy it. And it's definitely something I intend to finish. And I'm also just glad that you have something that is again, faithfully, adapting something that so many yes. people do enjoy, mm -hmm. especially because we're talking about something that's like, high fantasy science fiction adventure like real heavy genre stuff within within gaming um and we know the history of how hard that's been to translate you know mm -hmm. across the board for 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 other franchises and other adaptations so it's always it's always pleasant to see somebody do a real you know well and do it really well so i can't wait to finish and see see more that comes out of it yeah man it's just yes to video game content i think there's a lot more coming out. There's all kind of Halo shows, and uh, we talked about a second ago, kind of off, 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 off the record. Uh, new Mass Effect potentially being in the works at Amazon Studios and things like that. So, uh, I hope people can continue to be this this accurate and faithful. Um, yeah. But I know Riot Games had a bigger chip on their shoulder, being as big as they are. They just really felt like they had to get it right. So you, they got all the right people. I know they did. I know they they took their time. Again, this game has been out. I mean, this might be like twelve, thirteen years now. Uh, how right. long League of Legends has been out? So they 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 had to get it right, man. So excited to see more content coming from just video game properties in general. Yeah, it's certainly a wonderful time for for sure, especially with like the the right notable creators behind it. So we'll see what happens. Obviously, we'll we'll finish the show. We might revisit it and come back to it in a later episode of the podcast. And we know that season two is coming, and they're going to take their time to get that out the door. So those are our thoughts on Arcane. If you've seen the series, definitely hit us up and let us know what you think. Let's go ahead and transition to our final thing that we have to review this week. We got to talk about the latest anime series that just released, Odd Taxi. <laughs> 
The series is directed by Baku Kinoshita, and it's written by Kazuya Konamoto. Yes, so yes. you got a chance in particular to check out I Taxi. What do you think about this new uh, this new anime and this new manga? Yeah, man. So um, the manga actually just came out earlier this January, and the anime. It's really crazy to think about this. Think about just think about this turnaround and how good something has to be in order to do this. The the first manga came out January fifteenth of this year 2021 and the the anime started in april 6th 2021 uh, okay you, that's crazy you know how <laughs> fire it has to be to get greenlit and drawn and picked up by a studio and like all that that fast crazy bro um it, it, it's really insane but i taxi is of course an, an anime and manga series produced by uh olm um who i think it's oriental light and magic studios they do a lot of mm. other kind of crazy i mean they do so much stuff it, it couldn't even name it how much stuff they do but um I, I taxi has grown in popularity over the year man it is a 13 episode kind of small story saga um and it's a it's set in a world of um what's the word it's a big word anthro anthropomorphic animals i think oh anthropomorphic yeah mm -hmm. yeah anthropomorphic animals um and it follows the story of a 41 year old taxi driver who was a walrus i know it sounds insane. Like, what are we even talking about right now who's a walrus uh, <laughs> and and his parents kind of uh has abandoned him and so he's just a weird kind of cat uh he's like socially awkward kind of a little bit but what happens is the the he again he's a taxi driver and the people who gets in his taxi are related somehow like are, oh. like i don't know what's up with the city if, if he feels like the only taxi driver i don't think he is i think there are multiple taxis but like something about the universe that aligns and puts these people in in uh in his taxi um, but a story unfolds and it's just a, what again the, I, I can't explain too much without too much spoiler again there's only 13 episodes uh, but just know it's a really 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 good anime it's it's so different than anything you've ever seen um, so this this anime is also considered a scening uh, anime and manga which is uh, geared towards kind of young adult males versus shonen what we know right naruto black Clover, dragon ball z all those uh shonens are are usually geared towards teenagers um at least in in terms of the dictionary definition 
And so this is a, a slightly more mature um, anime and manga uh, to enjoy. It, it, mm-hmm. it, again, it's an easy watch. I think I watched it two days, right? I think I watched like six episodes one day and like seven episodes the other day. That's how easy um, it, it was to watch because it um, it takes to like episode two or three till you get hooked. And after that, that's it. You, you watch a taxi. Um, and that's how good it is. Uh, and the, the if you don't like um subbed english dubbed literally just premiered at anime nyc this past weekend which we'll talk about in oh, a okay. sec. um but it, it's good man so i suggest if you want something if you're watching anime want to switch switch it up want to want to watch something really short again 13 episodes 20 minutes each i suggest i taxi uh and let's talk about it again I, it's impossible almost to talk about the story for me without giving away any spoilers because it's it really is a, a mystery-ish kind of show you're really trying to figure out exactly what's going on and trying to put some some puzzle pieces together um but that's also what makes it good it it it, it really is entertaining and i actually think it's going to go up for some some awards for the uh for country roll awards this year the anime awards i really do think it's gonna it's gonna get some nods so we'll see what happens man Wow, yeah. I, I know one of the things that we uh, sort of consistently talk about here is, you know, some sometimes the intimidation factor with, like, how many episodes exist with a, with a certain anime and manga. Oh, like, absolutely. You know, these things, get they, they get far, far and away from you really, really mm-hmm. fast if you don't keep up with it. And so um, it, it's nice to see, like, this is something that's brand new and it just, like, they turned it around so quickly, like, to go from, you know, January to April uh, within three months is kind of insanity Insane. you know and the fact yeah. that like they've gotten you know they've gotten off the 13 episodes um you know this quickly is just like it, it's really i think it's really just like interesting to see like how quickly it's sort of captured people's attentions you know i also saw like that it, it's you know so so in demand like you mentioned the english dub is something that you know was just premiered and mm-hmm. think i think it's going to be widely available later and also just like pre-orders to like even watch it on physical media like blu-ray are just like ridiculous right now because i know a lot of folks like they'll watch their anime that way just like getting physical physical copies and stuff so it seems like something that is like really catching on quickly and it's right. it's catching on early because it is so new so um i'm always interested in those stories that are just like super unique like this is just like a weird coincidence of something that happens but you know Crazy. maybe it is a, co- a coincidence like it's just mm-hmm. you know just a really interesting story that you just typically won't find in other genres and in other storytelling methods like i, I think anime is very distinct in the way that they they yes. sort of characterize their stories and how they tell them Mm -hmm. and there's always there's just just things anime can do that other people can't do it's simple as that um and i think that's why it exists as a genre right there's always a something that you just can't like cartoons can't do that anime can do and vice versa of course too right um and, and and it finds a way to do it there's always a way to exaggerate in certain ways in anime that other people aren't able to do so yeah man please everyone check out our taxi if you have the chance certainly and with that said those are all of our reviews for this week let's go ahead and transition to the news of the week by sticking within the anime world you just got a chance to attend anime nyc which i know you've been looking forward to for quite a while now that just took place over this past weekend, over the course of what was it, three days, three day three conference? Days. That was three day yeah, convention. Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Um, mm-hmm. Wow! So definitely, uh, tell tell the people how was your experience at Anime NYC this year? Glorious, man, glorious. Uh, one of the the craziest things, not about just Anime NYC, about about the past, I'd say, two years, um, is the growth and acceptance of uh, Black people who love anime. 
it's it's it really is a uh it's a renaissance right now um of course you know we, we we've always talked about um how black people loved loved anime forever but we, got, we always kind of had to hide it or this and that but it, it it really is an explosion of energy coming out of that this community um, it's on Twitter. There are cosplayers coming out the woodwork. There are voice actors who even I know now, like who be doing the doves for these things who are black. And mm-hmm. it's, it, yeah. it, it really is just is just a, a crazy thing to see. There's RDC World, right? Um, who I've, I've talked about who has DreamCon. Um, they were there to an anime NYC. Your Mark Phillips and people like that. Um, and it, 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 it's anime NYC is a fun time, man. And you're gonna notice everyone black when you walk in there. You're like, oh, black person. Oh, another black person who's uh who's cosplaying. But um, I I had the privilege of actually working the table uh these these past couple of days for Studio Maho. Um, again, we're up upcoming anime and manga studio, two mangas, Blade Titans and God Punch. Um, and we it was a very successful weekend for us. So I enjoyed that part of it as well. The exhibit floor is always still crazy. There's a lot of shirts in in. Plushies and actual physical mangas to pick up. Anything you want anime related, you can get at Anime NYC. And everyone there is always on the same page. Everyone has seen in in read uh, uh, anime and manga, and it's just really entertaining place to be. And a, a lot of good energy coming out of uh, Anime NYC. And I think next year will be even bigger than this year. I mean, I think they ended up selling out all three days, similar to what I said about Comic Con, where like the last day they're like, "No, Sunday sold out too." Like, Dang, for real, Sunday sold out too. Um, it's, it's 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 really always impressive to see to see these turnouts for these conventions. People wanted to get out the house. It was time. Um, and Anime NYC definitely definitely showed that. Uh, I only went to a couple panels. One of the good panels I went to was uh talking about black hair and cosplay actually of course there's a mm. lot of of course black men but a lot of black women who are cosplaying right now and, and what that conversation is and how to get the hair right what wigs to buy and what uh maybe what products work better for this cosplay or what gel to use maybe for this and that um and that was a a, a, a good panel so that was like an, a, one example of you know a couple of the panels i went to but uh, again, a man, another good time. I always love seeing black cosplayers. You know, I walked around and, and took pictures of black cosplayers too. That's what I do. Uh, and you know, those those pics will go up soon. But a good time at Anime NYC. Black energy plus nerd energy is always good energy, in my opinion. There's been other stuff that's happened, but when it, when it's real, it's real, and, and and it's a fun time. So I hope more people get to Anime NYC up at some point. Go to DreamCon where there's nothing but black people go to anime NYC where that's everybody and their mama. Um, and, <laughs> and, and just enjoy yourself because there's, there's not a, there's not always a chance in our busy lives, right? Our day to day to be in those big spaces with a bunch of people who like the same shit that you do. Um, so, so come, so come through at any time and, and start enjoying these conferences, man. Anime NYC definitely recommend always. Man, it looked tremendous. Uh, it was all over my timeline. I ain't gonna mm-hmm. lie. It was like, wow, they are out here like showing out, and it was that was a beautiful thing to see. I mean, stuff went viral like legitimately oh, on social yeah. media. Like Absolutely. I was seeing, I was seeing so many things like not only from the cosplay, but just like the moments that people were having, the celebration, mm-hmm. the happiness, like everybody just like being in the space. And it was like, you know, like you mentioned, it's a lot of blackness. Like it's a lot of black folks around, just like celebrating, you know, uh, the, the the worlds of anime, the love of anime, and just like how widespread it's become. 
Um, it's just always really cool to see that. And like we're, you know, we're now getting back to these in-person experiences, which are so important. They're so important, you know, not only to connect with people and potentially work with them, but to just like have that camaraderie and that connectivity with other people, like these like-minded ind- individuals that like the same things that you do or appreciate the same types of art forms that you do. Like, I think we all deserve those spaces mm-hmm. to exist in. And so it's just like great to see that, this continues to grow because I, I saw more about it this year than I've ever seen before. And I'm mm-hmm. just like, wow, that's really, really impressive. Like how fast it's like really blowing up in the, in this, in this particular way. And that's probably a part of it's probably due to the fact that, you know, a lot of us have been in the house for a year mm-hmm. and a half, but it, it can be understated that like, like you mentioned, folks were ready and it was time and, and, and everybody assembled and, and knew what the assignment was yeah. and, and turned up in, in, a, in a big way. So I'm just happy to see that it went so well. And definitely congrats to you and the rest of the studio, my whole team. Like y'all definitely was representing and showing yes, out sir. like in the best way. So it, lo- it looks like an overall success for sure. Yeah, man. Uh, I We need to we need to figure we're about to have two black nerds con soon coming at you. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> a whole kind, a whole just for us. Kind, yeah, just for us. We talk about it all. It's like yeah. it's like Comic Con and Anime NYC put together. We're gonna do a three day nonstop <laughs> podcast. That's gonna be the kind. Like, come see us talk for seventy two hours, hours straight, no sleep. We get a minimum of legendary, like six six piss breaks. You know, maybe two meals. We just gonna go a lo- for a lot of guests. Seventy two hours. We'll get a lot of guests yeah. up there. <laughs> Sounds good to me. Hey, never been done before. We might have to do it, but yeah, man, that's dope. That's dope. Definitely shout out to Anime NYC and everything that went down. Let's talk about the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer, man. We didn't get a chance to talk about it last week. We got to get to it. We got the long-awaited second trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. Easily the most anticipated film of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, Going to be the biggest film of the year, no doubt. We finally got the trailer. The debuted about a couple of weeks ago, almost, and uh, we got some confirmations of some things, some big, big confirmations. Obviously, there's so much speculation around this movie about who's going to be in it, what's going to happen, what's it going to be about, and it looks like Sony and Marvel finally made the decision to confirm some things we've long been speculating. The big things we see all of our primary antagonists, or at least most of them, that we think will be in this movie, we get clear clear appearances of doc ock we get clear mm-hmm. appearances of green goblin electro sandman lizard all of those are confirmed to be in this movie not the sinister six quite yet but it's five of them that are that are a part of this film and we also see that these are very familiar versions of these characters this is alfred molina's doc ock this is willem defoe's green goblin absolutely you hear the voice you see the costume it's the same costume from the sam raimi films mm-hmm. This is Jamie Fox, Jamie Foxx's Electro. I mean, we we knew he was going to be in the movie because he spilled the beans himself over a year ago. Uh, <laughs> and then Sandman and Lizard. <laughs> and then Sandman and Lizard, who uh, we long speculated were also going to be a part of this movie, but it was very much confirmed here that we see. Um, and there were so many things, so many other things that happened, so much that was left off the table that they didn't mm-hmm. show us. I mean, I think, I think overall, I just got to say, man, I think that this was... Was this the greatest trailer I ever saw? No, not not even close. Like, it's a fine trailer. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I'm just appreciative of the fact that Marvel and Sony had the commitment to say, we are not going to show our, our ace card. We're not going to show the biggest thing that we have to show you all. Yes. Because, listen, it is no secret. It's the worst kept secret in Hollywood that Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this movie it's pretty bad 
I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. They are in this movie, and um, it has not been confirmed by anybody mm-hmm. um, officially. It's not been confirmed by Sony nor Marvel nor the actors themselves. And there's been a lot of denial, like, no, I'm not in this movie. No, I'm not in this movie. Um, and that is not unusual. Actors have done this before, denied appearances, and then they go off and show up. Um, but they had restraint, and they didn't show them. And I'm appreciative of that mm-hmm. because why would you show that? Why would you show such a celebrated? And possibly historical moment in a trailer yeah. that folks don't need to be sold on. People are going to go see this movie. There's no, there's no need to sell that. <laughs> like, no need. Everybody's going to show up, so don't show it. They didn't show us Cap wielding Mjolnir in the trailers before we saw Avengers Endgame. Can you imagine if they did that? Like, what the fuck? What? Why would you show me that? They didn't show us that, but we suspected it. We mm-hmm. speculated, like, oh, damn. What if Cap picks up Mjolnir and the speculation built and built and built and that, that anticipation paid off? And so I think they're doing the same thing here. They're showing their restraints and they're giving us just enough, just enough to allude to the fact that they are probably in this movie, but we're not going to show it to you. Mm-hmm. And here's all these other goodies. Here are all these other villains that you have to see um, that you've been speculating about, that you've been wondering if they're going to be in this movie. Is it going to be them? But there's lots of questions to ask about this, man. But before we you know, talk more in depth about it, what overall did you think about what we saw from this trailer? Yeah, man, pretty similar to what you said. I'm just happy they didn't give away um, the cards. We actually talked about when we were talking about the trailer, we were like, they're probably going to give us Jamie Foxx. And they did that. <laughs> I was like, they're going to give us something. And they, and they gave us Jamie. And it, it, it just makes sense um, in the grand scheme of things. And I think that um, this is one of those trailers that are is, it's there to uh, to hold us over. Right. It's so it's so close. But I could tell it, it, it's just always that we need one more kind of feeling. And mm-hmm. and we got it. Like you can't say we didn't get it. They're like, and it's almost like they're here. We're here. Fine then. Here you go. Here's your, you know, the litter trailer that you get. Um, because we do see a lot of the same stuff from like a different angle, right? Uh, and th- and that's fine. And I think it it, it served its purpose, man. Um, and I think that uh, 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 I will always forever be mad at the batman versus superman trailer for showing doom oh my god like i remember ranting about it my friends in college and they were like they were probably like des if you don't shut up but i was like no why would you show the like the biggest reveal of the movie in the trailer it like pissed me off that like doomsday popped up in the middle of the trailer because it just why would you do that um and i'm happy that that marvel's not doing that here like you said they're not giving away they're not showing their cards here because if Sure, we know now, right? I mean, we we know these that they're, they're, they're going to be in the movie, so there's no reason to show it. Like you said, people are going to show up. We'll be there. Don't worry, um, and, and everything will be fine. So, uh, uh, again, still happy. I'm always still down to see Spider-Man trailers any day of the week. Uh, like you said, not the greatest trailer I've ever seen, but it needed to exist, and 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 that's fine. I'm I'm glad we got some new looks. Uh, and we'll see what's going on with this MJ falling stuff for the eighth time. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, yeah, well, let's talk about that for a second. There, there's a few questions, I think, to be raised about this trailer in particular. So let's start with the villains, because that's like the big fo- the big focus of it. Mm-hmm. So we do see Doc Ock, Green Goblin, Electro, Sandman, and Lizard. I'm curious, are these the versions that we know from those prior movies? Or is it possible that these are variants because they look different? Some of them look different. They I just like Green Goblin different. has the same suit. Um, Electro very different though. Like uh-huh. that's a completely different look. Uh, I mean, like a one eighty. We go from 
completely him being blue in the Amazing Spider-Man two to now having a more grounded look, but mm-hmm. still paying paying you know sort of homage to the original Electro outfit from the comics, like that moment where Jamie Foxx is you know conjuring up the electricity and it forms like the diamond star over his head. That's mm-hmm. very much a nod to the comic book depiction of the of the character. Um, Lizard looks the same in the brief shot that we saw him. I mean, yeah. how different can Sand look? You know, whatever. But I'm just, I'm just like, are these, are these our versions that mm. we know, or are these like variant versions? Because there's like some inconsistency there, yeah. you know, or is it just like as simple as like we just wanted to improve the costume because the other one just didn't look good? <laughs> but I don't know. I was just one because I know a lot of people also don't like the Willem Dafoe Green Goblin outfit from the mm. Sam Raimi movie. I know a lot of people have been critical of that. I'm not included in that. I actually... I love it. I kind of defend it. I think it actually looks really cool. Like, I know people were... People were mad about the mask because, like, Goblin's a very, like, emotive character and it hid Willem Dafoe's face. But I'm like, he's such a tremendous actor that I think he transcends the costume. That's how good he is. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's inconsistent, you know? I'm just kind of curious. Like, what... How? How are they back? Is it variant versions? Is it the versions that we know? What, what, What could that all mean? Yeah, there's it's just really hard to know in a lot of different ways. Right. Um, one very specific, uh, uh, indicator is doc. Ock knowing that that's not his Peter. Um, mm. and I, I think it's, a, it, that's important to know because it's like, okay, which one is like, if, for instance, if Toby comes on screen, right. And he says, Oh, you're my Peter. Then it's like, okay, this is the doc Ock that we know then. Right. You know, that that's the confirmation. And I think, it, it it's it's really hard to tell because if Electro does the same thing with Andrew Garfield's Spider Man, then they just they just changed him. They were like, we know. Yeah. They were like, oh, we know this is trash. We just need to. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 just had to throw this away and uh and, right. and, and go back to one of our original designs. Um, but it really is hard to tell. I feel like until we get one of those confirmations, one of the weird things is there there are two Goblin things going on All appearances yeah yeah yeah. um and i was actually hoping for a third i want to see goblin with the hood i love goblin with the hood um oh, man. i think it'll be so hard and I, I i still speculate that that's going to happen at some point somehow that we're going to see old goblin but it it yeah it, it's just really hard to tell without confirmation it really is um i think we will get it for sure uh but but it we, i just don't know yet yeah, that, that there is that shot later in the trailer where you do see a different goblin mm-hmm. outfit. I do think that that's still Willem Dafoe. I I, like I wouldn't be surprised if yeah yeah the, it's like a, I, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised if what happens is when he's brought back from you know whatever happens with the multiverse, he's in that traditional suit that we know from the mm-hmm. Sam Raimi movies. He might battle Spider Man because it looks like he'll be on that same highway battle. Mm-hmm that we've i mean we've seen so much of at this right. point like the the battle between doc ock and 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 the mcu peter parker it looks like he might show up in that battle and i wouldn't be surprised if they did something like he fights and his outfit gets destroyed and so he has to like build another newer high-tech one you know maybe mm. maybe they just wanted to have it there briefly to just like pay a nod to to that outfit and just like move on from it because it does yeah. look like an upgrade happens mm-hmm. at a certain point and maybe like upgrades happen for for everybody but um you know, that was one of the interesting things. And I think overall, just like the idea of them bringing all these villains back and, of, of course, like the Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield of it all, like, this is crazy that we're we're, we're looking at 20 years of storytelling that's going right. to culminate in this film. Mm-hmm. You know, that first Spider-Man movie came out in 2002, and without it, we wouldn't even have MCU, if we're just being honest. That was mm-hmm. the first 
super successful global crossover right. superhero film that we had ever gotten. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, we had Superman 78. Yeah, we had Batman 89, you know, and uh, of course, X-Men and Blade did a lot to, mm-hmm. to push the genre forward, but nothing, nothing like was that. like Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. There was nothing like that, you know? And so I think to have that movie and to see where we are now, 20 years later, and like, this is all telling that story. Like, it's crazy how it's functioning is like, yes, like there's comic precedent for like Spider-Verse and Multiverse, mm-hmm. but it's also in alignment with what we've seen in Hollywood. The fact that you're bringing back legacy cast members to, to inform like whatever this present day new story is. Um, let's talk about Peter Parker and Doctor Strange for a second, because we get a little bit more of their story here and it looks like they're going to be at odds. It looks like they're not on the same page about this whole thing. Doctor Strange looks very pissed off about this whole situation like hey man you and your secret identity shit is really annoying me you botched the spell it was your fault and now we have to send all these people back and then there's really there's that really um key moment in the trailer where you hear the voiceover saying you're going out to fight ghosts in the sky Mm -hmm. and like followed directly by that is strange saying like all of these guys died fighting spider-man and essentially this this is the path that they need to walk we need to send them back to live out that fate and i think that that's very telling about a lot of what the story may be in the sense that yes like the 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 revealed identity of peter is going to take up i think a good chunk of like the first act mm-hmm. you know maybe the the first like 30 minutes of the movie but quickly it's going to become more so about peter's almost guilt mm. that he has about Hey, these aren't like villains that I know, but they fought other versions of me and they died. So now I partially feel responsible for their life mm-hmm. and I don't want to send them back to their death. I, I want to. Can I prevent that? And it wow. looks like that that might cause a back and forth. We don't know if that's going to be the exact story, but that's what it seems like they're pointing to. Mm-hmm. And so I think we're seeing more of a split between Dr. Strange and Peter Parker than I anticipated. Do you think that that's going to carry through or do you know, do you foresee them actually ended up working together more than more than what they showed here in the trailer? I think I think they'll come together in the end, um, but I think I really do think that conflict is going to be a, a an important part of the movie. Um, you know, we see the whole thing where they they got the cube and he he he, he smacks the astral projection out of his body and like my lord, you, you know, oh. uh, you, like strange strange is about to fuck this dude up, um, <laughs> but like you know, not in the physical sense because that's what he does. Like Doctor Strange, he also knows how to how to uh, manipulate people's energies and, and things like that. But um, I definitely think the disagreement will be there, and I'm sure something will come come together um, in, in by the end of the film to not make them hate each other. I think um, I really do because I don't I don't I just don't see that baggage of them not being on the same page carrying over to multiverse of madness because there's already so much to worry about uh so i I definitely think they'll clean it up and uh, that'll be part of the resolution for the film of of, of sending these guys back and that conflict that peter's gonna have is oh man you can write a book on it right like i have to send these guys back to a different universe to die that's not peter's you know that's not his heart we know this dude that's one of the biggest hearts ever and that's just not something um that that he he feels like that uh, he should or or would do so yeah man it's, it's it's gonna be crazy yeah uh strange is 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 i mean he's he's the real key component here just because we don't mm-hmm. know all of the moving pieces with this character i right. think uh 
it's easy for me to believe that that would be something that Peter would want to do. He would want to resist the idea of like sending these guys back to their death, even though they're villains, even though they're at odds with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the the interesting thing about Spider-Man as a character that's always been like one of the most appealing aspects of him is that pretty much all of his villains have a relationship with him. Like mm. these guys have been his professors. They've yeah. been his mentors. They've mm-hmm. been his friends. Like they all come from his, his own circle, his personal life. And so, yeah, this isn't his version of Doc Ock, but Doc Ock is a mentor to Peter Parker. Yeah, this isn't his version of Green Goblin, but yeah, you know, Green Goblin, father of Harry Osborn, you know, that's somebody that he also looked up to, right? Mm-hmm. And so that connection is already established in that way. And so I, I could buy into the fact that he probably doesn't want to feel responsible for that. And he he wants to figure out another way to handle this. But that's, it might just not be possible, right? Like when you're dealing with the multiverse, you might just have to, have to do this um i'm also interested to see like it, it seems like i could be wrong but it seems like doc ogg might not be bad this whole movie right like you're right it seems like he might be on the better side of things more often than not mm-hmm. because it seems like uh i think we're getting more of the more of the version of, of doc ogg at the end of spider-man 2 when he had a change mm-hmm. of heart as opposed to like the purely villainous Agreed. side of him you know that that kind of seemed like it stuck out to me that he might actually maybe he teams up with them you know at the end he helps fight i don't know but I was curious to see that as well, but I didn't appreciate the fact that they made fun of his name. I'm like, come on now, have some respect for my guy. Like, don't do that. Um, also, the Statue of Liberty is a big piece of this trailer. Yep. They're building a Captain America statue to hang on the Statue of Liberty. Um, my guy is really revered in this world. Like, they really, really love him because they're about to change up the whole Statue of Liberty. They're building captain america's shield to be hung off of the statue of liberty but that looks like that looks like that that might be the, the third act of the movie like that might be the final battle i think that all signs kind of point that that's like the the, the ultimate climax of the movie mm-hmm. they're fighting at the statue of liberty so many things happen in the trailer that happen around that area we get the shot of like peter lunging at sandman lizard and electro at the same time we get the shot of dr strange on top of the statue of liberty saying they're coming through. I can't stop them. That's like the last thing that we've seen. It looks like something's ripping into the sky. Very reflective of like what we saw in Loki with the multiverse. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get the moment where we see MJ falling um, and, and Peter is, is is attempting to save her. Very much a callback to what we saw in The Amazing Spider-Man 2 when Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man uh, failed to do the same for Gwen Stacy. Um, so it's a lot happening here. And this feels very it feels like third act energy for sure. Mm-hmm. Um I mean, just predict what what what's gonna happen here. Is it just him fighting them? Is it more Spider Man? Is he gonna <laughs> save her? What's gonna what's gonna happen? Because it looks like a lot of shit's going down at that Statue of Liberty. Andrew Garfield is gonna save her. It has to happen. It, um, the I, redemptive moment, I right? Have, I, it has to happen. If it doesn't happen, I'm gonna be salty. I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm gonna be really mad if like that's not the intro to to Andrew Garfield Spider Man being on screen. So. So I was going to ask you that. Is that the first time that we see him? I hope so. Or do we see them be. earlier in the movie? And he, yeah. Like, I I just think I, I personally would erupt. Like, yes. Like, that, that gets a pop out of me. If yeah. Peter can't quite reach her, Andrew Garfield, Spider-Man comes and swoops her up and saves MJ. I mean, that's 10 out of 10 movie making to me. Like, that's... <laughs> yeah. Because it, it, it just has to make sense. Um, I... Yeah, I don't. I don't know the other point in which the the, the other Spider-Man enter. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but I I I do feel like it. 
it is around that time, that third act-ish, what we're talking about now, you know, with the Statue of Liberty um, and, and all that stuff. So, yeah. I agree with you about the Andrew Garfield moment in, in terms of the fact that I think he will save her. He's going to be able to redeem himself because the way that not only did we see that is like the end of that movie and it was like very much a down ending, but that was also the last time we saw him as Spider-Man. It's like, what a fucking note to leave off as Spider-Man. That, that, that sucked. Mm-hmm. And so what better way to bring him back in, in terms of like being able to do that for, for, you know, the MCU version of Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. I, okay. So they're, they're going to pop up before. So, I mean, I listen, I'm going to just be, I've read leaks. I'm not going to spoil anything for anybody, but mm-hmm. I've read leaks about certain things, whether or not they'll be true. Who's to say we have to see the movie to find out. Um, it's, it's less about when they pop up in the movie, Toby and Andrew, mm-hmm. and, and more about if they're the only ones that pop up in this I movie. I was thinking that too. Yep. Because, mm-hmm. listen, on. Tom Holland has like consistently said, what you guys are seeing is only the tip of the iceberg. Believe me. Uh, he obviously knows the discourse that's happening around this movie. He's answered it directly about Toby and Andrew's involvement. Mm-hmm. Um, him saying the tip of the iceberg doesn't feel like Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, third act energy mm-hmm. for this movie. It just doesn't feel like that. It right. feels like that there's something, something more else? that we just don't know about, yeah. right? Like it feels like, okay, so much has gotten out about this movie. <laughs> and it's 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 actually unfortunate. Like fuck, I wish I didn't know as much as yeah. I did, right? Mm-hmm. But there's another piece of me saying, like, damn, is there something that we've been completely misdirected on that they that they have been able to keep secret that mm. we're just completely not giving credit to? Like Doctor Strange's words at the end of this trailer <laughs> saying like they're all coming they're through, all I coming can't through. stop them. Yep. That doesn't feel like two Spider-Man coming through. It doesn't, that doesn't feel like just Andrew and, and, and Toby coming through that. That feels like more to me. Now, what more that could be? I don't know. Is mm-hmm. it more villains? Is it, is it Mysterio? Is it Rhino? I don't know. Is it <laughs> fucking Fox's X-Men uh, coming through? I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't know. But, Venom. I'm the Venom, right? Like mm-hmm. we, we, we know about what the happened with the, I mean, that, that's the part that has me a little yeah. perplexed just because, it seems bigger than what we're giving it credit for. Mm-hmm. And it was just like thrown on there at the end of the trailer. Like, oh, yep, here you, here you go. Just ponder that for the next month. But I'm just like, that just doesn't feel like the moment in time where those two in particular will enter, or at least not alone. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't know. Like, I, I, I've been does, thinking about does, that, does, too. Does, does Gwen Stacy as Spider-Woman pop up? Like, they, they just got, you know, somebody cast, like, out of nowhere? Like, I don't know. Ooh. I just don't know. So, I'm just... Yeah. That's what I've been really thinking about ever since that trailer came out. No, I've been thinking the same thing. Um, I can't lie to you. The exact same moment you're talking about Doctor Strange. I can't... Whatever he says, I can't get... Stop they're all, all coming through. Yeah, they're all coming him. through. I can't stop them. Uh, because... Like, it... The scar- it's it's enormous. It's it, it really is. Uh, it, it can't be two Spider Man. It can't be one villain. You know, it can't be like one more exactly. Guy yeah, the dang. It's like okay, but who's coming through? Um, and one of my, I don't, I don't know if guesses isn't the word. One of my one one up. One of my predictions, or that's not even a prediction because like something I, you're speculating I, about. I, I didn't believe it. I was just like throwing it in the air. <laughs> mm-hmm. Is that these niggas have casted a whole Spider Gwen and Miles Morales? It ain't told nobody. 
Oh man, and they got, that would be they got away with it. Like you know what I mean, <laughs> and like they have been able to keep that under wraps um, because that's like. Isn't that one of like the small pieces missing from Spider-Man right now? I was like, okay, we got we got yeah. this, we got that, we got that, but where's Miles? <laughs> mm-hmm. And of course, we we still feel like of course it'll happen in the future, right? Tom Holland still needs to get older as Spider-Man, right? Like uh, this needs to happen, but Miles is out there somewhere, and if we see right. a different universal version of him, I just thought it that that's a pop. That people weren't thinking of on top of, you know, to, and if they can really pull off something that that really surprises us like that, it it'll be impressive, man. It really will. Um, but I I thought I'm glad you're on the same page as me because I really was thinking that too um, when I heard yeah. that, and I think a lot of I think a lot of us are thinking it now. The people who look into that that kind of stuff, verbiage and, and diction is really important in so, in some of these movies and trailers, and they they did that on purpose. It, it was like at the very end of the trailer. Yeah. I'm like, oh. Okay. But this is what we're gonna do. Who are we talking about? So it's it it, it really is just adding another layer um, into something else. I, I have to be excited for. I'm like, what? Where's the moment? Where's the moment? I'm gonna do the yeah. as soon as it happens. Leonardo meme. There's the moment right there. Oh, <laughs> it, that's it. That's it. Man, I you know, and 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 what only further sort of compounded those thoughts for me were the. Was the was the GQ interview that dropped the next day? Yes, Tom, Tom Holland, Holland. Did, yep. which he said a lot of stuff. A lot. And w- one of the big things is the fact that you know he probably doesn't want to be playing this role for the rest of his career. He right. wants to go on and do other things and challenge himself. And he, you know, for in in so many words, said like maybe they'll make a My- Miles Morales movie. Did he just like tell us without telling us? You know that that's a thought. But then also on top of the fact that. In that interview, he was talking about the filmmaking process of this movie and how they didn't completely know what the third act was going to be. Like, mm. he would show up to set and ask the director, John Watts, like, so, can, so what are we doing for this third act today? And John Watts is like, I don't know, I'm figuring it out, right? And the, the fact that when they started this movie, they didn't even know if they would get everybody in the cast. Like, certain people were like, they were still trying to negotiate with because they didn't know if they would get him or not. There's mm-hmm. there's so many rumors out now, and I actually I believe this that both Emma Stone and Kirsten Dunst were offered roles in this movie, but yeah, they're not going they're to not be going in this to movie. Be in like mm-hmm. yeah, like I I believe I actually believe that I like if, when people ask them, I believe them when they say like mm-hmm. I'm not in the movie. But I think that they probably went out after them as well as all these other actors, and it was kind of just like a crapshoot. Like, oh, you know, we just got to reach out to their reps and see if they want to do this and come in and film however much they they need to film. And so I think a lot was just up in the air, a lot of uncertainty. And so with that, like, who's to say that they weren't able to slide in certain people that we just weren't <laughs> even paying attention to because we've been so preoccupied with Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield for over a year. They just. Who knows, you know? So I think it's very possible that a lot of this stuff was in flux. This movie was also supposed to come out after Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, mm. before this COVID shit mm-hmm. messed up the entire schedule. This movie was going to come out after, and so they had to fundamentally change a lot of the story elements so that it made sense since Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness is now coming out after this movie. Yeah. So I think all things are on the table. Anything's possible. Um, <laughs> Nicholas Cage. Listen. <laughs> bro, bro like, you funny um boy if they did that i'll just be like what the f- what's going on uh, but you know listen we just were at the movies and saw venom let there be carnage and i never would have predicted that in credit scene like that was mm-hmm. 
pure shock and all. And so who's to say that something similar can't happen in this movie and we are underestimating the surprises that may come. So there's a lot of questions, more questions than answers at this point, but the movie's coming fast and furious. Tickets are going on sale very, very soon here. So definitely get yours if you plan to see this because they're going to go fast. And we'll be back, of course, to talk about it when it comes out December 19th, I believe. We'll be right, we'll be back right after to talk about that. But Absolutely. the trailer overall, I mean, it did what it needed to do. It drummed up more excitement, got more people talking, and we're 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 in the end game with it now. We're almost there. So I can't wait to see it, man. Um, we'll we'll definitely be on here to talk about it more as we find out more things. But in some other Marvel news, we just found out, man, our boy Delroy Lindo is in final negotiations to join the upcoming Blade movie from Marvel Studios, which will be starring Mahershala Ali. Um I got two words. Black Whistler. It has to be. Is it not? Is it not? Like it's the only that option. Is 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 perfect, right? Like Delroy Lindo, uh, appropriate age, older than Mahershala for sure, is in a new twilight of his career, um, getting new popularity and new respect. Uh veteran actor. I it's it's incredible. I think this is great. I, I can't wait to see it. And spoiler alert, if you haven't seen Eternals which we just talked about on the show, but we got our first ever voice appearance from Blade from Mahershala Ali at the end credit scene of that film. And so now they're moving forward with this for sure. It's happening. Um, and production is 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 um, rumored to be starting next year at some point, I think in the summertime of next year. So we'll likely get this at the end of 2023 or maybe even early 2024. So it's mm-hmm. still a ways out. But the fact that like Delroy is joining up here, I'm happy about it. I can't wait. I mean, he has just constantly been killing it. We know he got sl- uh, snubbed from uh, the Five Bloods, just not, not even being nominated, whatever the hell that's about. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm just really excited to see him here, man. I know he's going to kill it. He has to be Whistler. Like you said, it's too perfect. Whistler grew up in Harlem, I'm pretty sure. So this, come on, bro. This black dude, that's the exact same age that you just said, who got casted. Come on. It, it, he, he has to be. Um, and he going to kill some vampires alongside our boy, Mahershala yes, Ali. Sir. We're going to have him on screen at the same time, killing vampires. I can't wait. It's going to be black as hell and vampire as hell. And I'm I'm just excited to watch the movie. I wish it was coming out like right now. Uh, it's it's it's, it's going to be something different, I think. Uh, and and again, it this is a this is a, a property that Marvel they have to change a little bit, you know, to make Blade work. Yeah, they they like Marvel has to change. Not Blade got to change. Marvel got like MC, the MCU has to shift a little bit to make Blade work. And I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited for 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 that too. Uh, but yeah, man, shout out to Delroy Lindo. He's going to be great. Absolutely. We also just got an official announcement that on January 1st, 2022, Harry Potter will be having a cast reunion, which will be entitled the Harry Potter 20th anniversary return to Hogwarts. And it's bringing back many, many, many primary players from the Harry Potter franchise in honor of the 20th anniversary of Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone, which came out all the way back in November of 2001. Um, most notably, all three of the primary actors are coming back. Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson, and Rupert Grint will be returning for this cast reunion, as well as a host of others. Many of the original cast, again, are returning for this. Um, I think this is this is dope. Uh, I'm glad it's going to be on HBO Max so we can watch it. I know the Lord of the Rings cast mm-hmm. just did something similar with the Alamo Draft House. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not been available, made available on streaming, but I know it's on like the physical media release of like the 4K um, Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit set and stuff like that. So it's just crazy that Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter 
in terms of the film adaptations, like came out within a month month of each other in yeah, two thousand and one. Like legendary what, time. What a fucking time what that time. was. Um, but yeah, Harry Potter. You know this cast coming back. I I love it. I love I love Harry Potter, and I can't wait to see like all of them just like come back and you know talk to each other and reflect on the past. And I'm we've lost you know people too since then. Like Alan mm-hmm. Rickman has passed away. Yeah. Um, I know that the actress I can't remember her name right now, but who played Narcissa Malfoy passed away mm, yep. uh I, I we just talked about last it. year dude yeah. yeah yeah she passed away due to covid and so um it, it's it's sad to know that like some people have been lost ever since these films were made but it's going to be good to get get a lot of this primary cast back together to, to, to just talk about the legacy and the impact of harry potter i also love how they always just lean they're they like really lean into this holiday thing like it comes out on new year's day like yeah it's like yep we we know our movies are christmas movies <laughs> that's pretty much what they're saying here uh but i can't Absolutely. wait man we're both big Harry Potter heads, uh, and, and I'm I'm really excited to see this. I really hope it's, it's it's really good. Actually, I don't have any doubts about it. I'm just like, yeah, it'll probably be great <laughs> uh, to watch it in general. Um, and it, it always Harry Potter always just leaves a good feeling. It, it's something I can't explain. It could be the the holiday of it all. It could just be how good the story of Harry Potter is, but uh, and the lore of Harry Potter, but. Uh, I I know it's going to be good, and of course we're going to talk about it. It's going to be great. Um, so excited to watch it. So much nostalgia for sure. In the video game world, all of these new games have just been made available to play, including Halo Infinite multiplayer, Battlefield twenty forty nine, and Forza Horizon five. They're all now available to play. Have you gotten a chance to like touch any of these lately since they've um, been been made available? I've been playing a decent amount of Halo. Uh, it's 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 been fun so far. It literally is keeping a lot of the the the, the old um, kind of energy from Halo while providing a lot of new mechanics. Um, whether it's 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 the the run or you, now you can have um, uh, uh, hooks and all kind of gadgets that you can pick up in Halo, which is um, kind of unlike anything that we've we, we've seen in the Halo franchise. So the the campaign isn't out yet. The campaign comes out it's like December eighth or something like that. Really early December. Uh but hey please go check out Halo Infinite Multiplayer if you haven't. It's uh on Xbox Game Pass for free. Well I guess it's not free if you pay for Xbox Game Pass, but check it out. Um it's something something to uh, definitely to play then you got battlefield 2049 which battlefield 2049 is uh i haven't played it yet but i'm, I'm hearing decent things about it battlefield 2049 is really buggy right now um from what mm-hmm. i'm hearing it's uh but uh I'm, i've heard from other couple people it's just fun right now maybe once the bugs are gone it'll be fun i do have it installed just haven't got around to it yet forza horizon 5 y'all i'm hearing it's like one of the most beautiful games ever uh, it was said to be so, uh, like it, it, it was hyped up to be so, um, and I'm hearing it's, it's, it's definitely coming through on that promise. Um, but I, I can't wait to play it and just go drive around and look at beautiful scenery with my friends at some point. Uh, it, it really does look good. It, it's also on Xbox Game Pass, similar to Halo um, Infinite Multiplayer, where it's ten, it's free in quotes if you have Game Pass because you have to pay for Game Pass, but. Yeah, Forza Horizon Five mm-hmm. is also on Game Pass and available to play. So uh, check them out. I have, again, I still haven't got to Battlefield yet, but recommend uh, Halo and Forza just by word of mouth for sure. Yeah, I played one of the old Forzas for sure, and that 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 was always one of like the most impressive looking games. I'm just like, this is just like <laughs> phenomenal how they just like made this look so real. So yeah. definitely a lot of good stuff to play. We also just got an announcement for a new 
game coming out called Multiverses, mm-hmm. which is going to be a uh, a Smash Brothers like fighting game, which is taking a lot of intellectual property characters from the world of Warner Brothers um, and putting them putting them available on this this new platform game to play as like a new fighting fighting style game which i think also will be free to play if i'm not mistaken um but it's going to take a lot of a lot of your most well-known warner brothers characters like batman and wonder woman and and, and shaggy from scooby-doo and mm-hmm. uh Arya stark from game of thrones i mean it's basically <laughs> it's basically taking uh space jam a new legacy and turning it into a video game uh that can be actually played so that'll be interesting to see how it comes out I, mm-hmm. I know that they did the you know sort of the first reveal video talking about like some of the mechanics behind it and everything that'll be made available and just how they're going to roll it out and stuff like that and it looks interesting i want to play it yeah um but it also just to be honest i'm like the production value doesn't look quite as high as 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 smash brothers mm-hmm. like we know that like smash brothers is that's just level. another level mm-hmm. yeah and and it, it doesn't look like it's quite on that level maybe it can be because they're going to continue to iterate on it and develop it over the you know the course of the next few years i'm sure but i was just like uh you didn't you didn't go all the way in on this because <laughs> it's like yeah it's cool it looks it looks you know it looks more mobile friendly than anything i don't know if this is something that's going to like take up a lot of time on my couch like playing on my tv yeah, um, part of me, I know Warner has their own, uh, of course, gaming department. They make all kind of games. We know they make the Batmans, things like that. But I wish they I wish they just outsourced this one time for this game because yeah. I think it would have looked a little cleaner if they had done so. Um, maybe it's because it's potentially free-to-play that they're doing that. I don't know why, um, what's going on there. But more than anything, I just want to play with some wild characters in that setting. Like, I never imagined Arya Stark in a Smash Brothers setting, and I, I now <laughs> yeah. have to, I now have to see what that's like. I'm like, oh, I get to play yeah. Arya. I'm gonna go do that. Shag, what does Shaggy even do? Like, in, for oh my God. as I don't a know. I don't even know what that means. Uh, but throw some shrooms. I don't know. I'm dead at throw some shrooms, <laughs> but hey, we're gonna figure it out, man. So. Uh, we'll we'll check it out when it comes out. Uh, I think they said a lot of information, more information coming early January. I think, um, yeah. and and we'll see a lot more soon. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We will see. On the music side of things, we just got the Grammy nominations, which just rolled out recently here. Um, check them out. Listen, it's a lot of the nominations, boy. Uh, yeah, I, this is what I'll say. I'm not, I'm not a fan of the Grammys at all, and I've I've gone on record on the sh- on the mm-hmm. show about that. So I won't. I won't go in on them again, but I will say that this year in particular, they're more impressive than they have been yep. in recent memory. I will give them credit for that. There's a lot of star-studded, very talented stuff that's being recognized here, especially in like the the big categories, like the hip hop stuff, the R and B stuff, and even like some of the more mainstream pop categories. But um, it actually reflects a, a better musical year that we've had, you know, in in in, in the past few years. I know like twenty. 2020 was was pretty rough you know Mm -hmm. but 2021 so far into 2020 i think coming into 2021 has been a lot better and so there's actually a lot to reflect here in these nominations uh but the one that stood out to me for sure is like that best rap album category and and a lot of the rap categories but that best rap album category i'm like wow you got like five titans of hip-hop involved in this and there's obviously like other things that have been nominated like especially if like uh, album of the year i know little nas x caught a lot mm-hmm. of attention for his for his album montero which is dope to see because he's been doing a lot of great work so overall pretty impressive you know we'll see what the wins look like because that's yeah. you know that's another big piece of it because they could still pull some fuck some fucking shenanigans like, like the uh-huh. grammys will do but um 
it, it was it was positive to see that like this year just looks it looks more like an impressive lineup than we've seen in years past. No, I'm I'm actually very proud of the nominations this year. I know the wins haven't happened yet, but even the nominations by themselves just look better to me. Um, album of the year. I mean, we're seeing a lot of. I mean, her is on here. Doja Cat. You already said Lil Nas X. You know. What I mean? I don't know how Ye got on here. I ain't gonna lie to you. But Ye is on here. <laughs> um, and, it, and it's still good to see, man. John Batiste, who's a, a, another um, black he cat out here, who is yeah. killing it. Um, even Song of the Year, Silk Sonic, Leave the Door Open. I mean, it had to be nominated at least. But it it, it really is. Um, it's also one of the years I think I'm even more attuned to in terms of music because I've listened to the Billie Eilish album. I've listened to the uh, Olivia Rodrigo album. I have listened to the Taylor Swift mm-hmm. stuff, but uh, the, I've listened to the Justin Bieber album. You know, like I'm like, damn, I'm actually kind of in this uh in this in this a little bit more than i was before and i don't know if they've what they've changed in the background if anything but it just looks better nomination wise so far we'll see what happens like you said with these wins because that's more important right like what's what's going on with these wins here uh what's what's really happening but i have to say i really am proud like you said five titans in that rap category it's really wild bro it is i mean i i, I don't remember the last time it who looked like that i mean yeah, i'm over here like what uh, yeah, I mean Donda, CLB, mm-hmm. King's Disease, Off Season. Call me if you get lost. Call me if you get lost. Which, which should win. Which should win. Yeah, let's. <laughs> which should let's win. On the record and say that now, Call Me If You Get Lost is the best album out of all of those. I, I have to. Yeah, we no doubt about it. What What I will say about that category too, um, just because it is so interesting. Um, so King's Disease won one last year. Mm-hmm. So Nas and Hit Boy rightfully so got acknowledged for that first album, which is is great. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kanye's won in that category multiple times. Tyler even won a, you know, a couple of years ago for Igor in mm-hmm. that category. Um, interestingly enough, Drake has never won a Best Rap Album um, award, nor has J. Cole. Nor is Cole. So yep. um, if J. Cole were to win, I don't think that'll happen. I think he's actually... He probably has the least shot to win this, if I'm being honest. Not based off of the quality and what I think about the album, but just based off the names, Mm -hmm. because a lot of it is a popularity contest. But if he were to win, I would also not be upset at that, just because like I would want him to get one at Mm -hmm. some point. You know, I just don't think that this will be the year. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they go with, listen, if they go, (laughs) if they go with the purely popular option here, oh man, then. That is a fucked up decision because the, the pure popular option would be CLB. Certified Lover Boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be CLB, which is just CLB's not better than any album on that list. That's the nope. that's the that's the gotcha gotcha about it, to be honest. Mm-hmm. CLB's not it's it's the worst album out of those five. <laughs> so um that would be the one thing that would actually make me angry. If anybody mm-hmm. else wins, I'm not gonna be angry and I'd be especially happy if Tyler wins, but the one that would make me angry would be CLB winning. So I just I just gotta put put that out there and say that. Yeah, there's an another category I am very very proud of, and it's the the best melodic rap performance category. Um, that uh, no 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 wrong category. It's the best R and B. Let me look for it. It's like the best R and B. So I'm, I'm I'm looking for this category. It's like best yeah. contemporary R&B category oh, R&B. that I was yeah. just so very very proud of that it exists. Yeah, um, they always they always do like this weird 
split of like contemporary R&B, but then also like yeah, but this other one, R&B categories that they oh, put into it. It's called um, Best Progressive R&B Album is what it's called. Okay. And it is so Desmond. It's, it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, so Eric Bellinger, Corey Henry, Hiatus Coyote, Lucky Day. Oh, wow. Then you got Terrace Martin, Robert Glasper, Ninth Wonder, and Kamasi Washington's album. And then Masego. And I was like... Anybody can win. I was like, dang, this is a really yeah. good. Because usually it's, it's. I think they changed the name. It didn't used to be called Progressive. It was a different name for it. And it yeah, sounded, they did change it. It sounded bullshit. The, under the, mm-hmm. This makes more sense. Progressive is a word because these are people, they're pushing sounds and they're they like crazy. They're doing crazy chords and things that people never heard of. And, and that needed a space too. And it finally makes yeah. sense. Best Progressive R&B album sounds right to me. Um, and, and I'm really glad that, that, that this exists this year, too. So, uh, again, I think the Grammys are maybe they're onto something. Maybe they actually hired some new people. I don't know what's going on. But, again, it looks better. We're, we're, we got the beginning. Now, let's let's see the show. We will see for sure that award show, the 64th annual Grammys, goes down on January 31st, 2022. So we'll see what happens. We also got a few new albums that just came out. Some some big some big albums actually. We got Silk Sonic's new album that we've been we've been talking about for a while now. We've been waiting on uh, a evening with Silk Sonic finally dropped. We also got 30 from Adele, the one and only Adele that just dropped recently. Um, I know we we both have listened to these because like we've been waiting on them like. Who who who, who yes. doesn't listen to an Adele album as soon as it drops? Yes. It's been like six years. Um, and then Silk Sonic, we've been talking about that all year because I think everybody thought it was going to come out in the summer. It didn't, but we still got it. Mm-hmm. Um, I I'll I, I can start to say I just think I'll start with thirty. I mean, phenomenal, phenomenal work. I mean, it's just it's Adele, bro. It's Adele. Like what what more can be said? Um, very emotional work from her. Very honest and introspective as as it usually is. Um, and I think also one of those things that just makes you reflect on your own personal experience, mm-hmm. but then also the sounds that she's using in this album, um, a little bit different than what she's done before. Like, I, I feel like she's gotten somewhat less traditional in her approach with the music mm-hmm. as well. And so I appreciate that about her. Like she's pushing mm-hmm. her sonics a little bit further in a new direction. And so like, you can see the maturation and the growth within her as an artist over these past like few years. Um, so I really enjoyed it. It's something I'm going to keep listening to. I've listened to it about twice now. So I just want to keep diving in and mm-hmm. just like really sitting with the music. And then um, an evening with Silk Sonic in particular, I also thought it was a pretty good album. I, you know, it didn't it didn't blow me away like I thought it would. Like I think individually, Anderson Pack and Bruno have both given me albums that have blown me away. Like mm-hmm. individually, this one is, is them coming together. It's pretty good for me. Um, and there's definitely some songs that I like, and it definitely has the vibe and the sound that I thought it would. It lives up to that to that hype, at least, because these are two of the most talented people that we have. So yeah. it lived up in that respect. It just didn't blow me away completely. And it's mm-hmm. also it, it's relatively short. You know, I never anticipated this to be like an 80 minute album or anything like that. It's only about 30 some odd minutes, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but there's definitely some Bob still in here. There's definitely still some good music in here that I really appreciate. And it's, you know, I'm glad we got it as opposed to not getting it. Cause earlier this year, like when we were talking about this, I was like, wow, this is a, this is the combination I never knew I needed. So I'm glad they finally, mm-hmm. finally were able to get this album out the door. Yeah, man. I love it. It's just not long enough. Uh, it, I really was um, just hoping for a couple more, of those, uh, um, those, those, I don't know, those Teddy Pendergrass kind of back OJ spinner type <laughs> joint. I mean, we did get a lot of those, but I just expected a little bit more 
um, in terms of the number. Um, because, of course, mm-hmm. I can play a lot of these back. I'm also pretty sure the song 777, which came out while I was in Vegas, by the way, and has the word Vegas probably like eight times in the dang song. <laughs> um, but it's it's about to be in like every casino movie ever uh, from here on out. Oh, yeah. Like, it's, it's just, it just has to be. It's just what it was going to happen. Uh, but I like it even, even with Silk Sonic a lot. I'm still a little salty it didn't come out in the summer because it still feels like that vibe for me, like that nighttime or like kind of dusk-ish kind of kind of kind of vibe that um, I would love to play. Uh, but uh, I, I still enjoy it a lot, man. So I'm, I'm, I'm glad we got it. Adele, Adele, Adele. That woman just know how to make music. It's simple as that, bro. I, yeah. She just she just knows how to do it. She like how old am I? That's the that's the name of the album title. <laughs> that's it. That is what I'm going to name it. this album. Um, and she does it, and she does it with such grace and and, and inspiration too. You, it's crazy how much you can still see other artists within Adele, um, or like sometimes you can even tell what she's listening to, uh, which is crazy because you think Adele, other people are like trying to do that to Adele, but no, she has influences too. Um, and I and and I always love uh to see those even come out but 30 is amazing it's um i mean both of these albums are going to end up being some of the most played probably these these this this next year for sure now that they're actually mm-hmm. out um and even so them being not too long makes it even easier to to run back right like it's like oh, yeah I'll run this back real quick we get it to end um because because that's that's how it is but they 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 both came what they needed to do adele was you know she's gonna be knocking on the grammy doors next year so sonic technically i think missed the album window so their album even though they got yeah. singles on this i think the album window is open for them for next year too so you, we might see them knocking on that grammy door next year too um so yeah man i think i think it's going to be crazy uh to what they have in their futures but glad the music is here more than anything yeah very very exciting time for music indeed and in our last news item for this week the legendary the one and only Hayao Miyazaki Miyazaki excuse me is coming out of retirement for one more movie um obviously he's one of the greatest filmmakers ever I mean any 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 genre it doesn't matter if it's animated like he's just he's (laughs) Mm -hmm. just a phenomenal filmmaker um has done so much you know especially for for you know the animated industry and just pushed the genre so far forward in so many ways and so um apparently he's stepping out of the shadows one more time to make one more film we'll see if that's actually true um (laughs) but the new york times did a story on him um you know sort of revealing the information talking about you know where he's at in his current life and just you know him and catching up with him and just making that announcement that he's going to make one more movie so uh i know that this is like extremely exciting for you in particular and also for just like a lot of fans of just you know anime and just japanese animation and just like everything that he's done he's he's just been ahead of the curve on so many things and so um why not get one more chance at it and to see like what else he can produce out here so definitely exciting news yeah man this is the guy who uh constantly breaks the industry but it it it's so wild because people often compare his his work to um, the way Pixar movies are talked about, but it's just him. Or you know, what I mean? like it's just versus like a team. Pixar is like a whole yeah. team, and then Miyazaki's over here. Like, no, it's I. I kind of wrote this by myself. And you're just like, mm-hmm. what? What is going yeah. on over here, man? Uh, but I'm always excited to see him come out of retirement for the 18th time. No, whatever he has going on. <laughs> somebody somebody called him the the, the Jay Z of animated film and I was like, Yep. I'm dead. Right? Yeah, that sounds about right to me. 
Um, you know? Yeah, I think it's going to be really good, man. I mean, every time he comes out of retirement, however many times he's done that, it's been amazing. Whether it was Ponyo that came out in like 08, then I think he retired again, came back, made the wind rises. Uh, he just... Uh, you, I, I can't I can't sing enough praises about this dude, man. He he uh I've heard a little things about him and his personality. We don't know about that part. But the movies and the content yeah. movie and the contents he makes is 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 phenomenal. It is literally uh a, a, a level of art that uh, people it sounds terrible to say, but it's a level of art that some people will just never achieve. Um mm-hmm. and, and what he's able to do is especially the the consistency. I mean, he has movies, Spirited Away, My Neighbor Totoro, How's Moving Castle, Princess Mononoke, Castle in the Sky. I talked about, I mean, Kiki's Delivery. Like, I see people cosplaying these everywhere I go. Like, in talking about, you know how often Spirited Away gets talked about? It is. Oh, man. It gets, it's in every conversation. Every conversation. It's like, oh, we're talking about Toy Story? Let's talk about Spirited Away. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's it's really crazy um, how often it gets brought up. But excited for a new film, man. I can't wait to see what it brings. This will probably, technically, uh, if, if it happens the way I need it to, um, besides a, a re-release of Princess Mononoke a couple years ago, this would be my first Miyazaki film in theaters. Like, oh, wow. as, it, yeah. as it comes out. And I'm excited for that experience. Like, no one has seen it. I get to sit down in the theater with some people and watch a Miyazaki film. That's a, that's something I think I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean he's a master marketer. The fact that he like makes a movie, retires, and then comes back, he cre- he creates a moment every single time. Every it's time. always going to be a big deal because mm-hmm. he's such a legend. So uh, very smart play on his part. But yeah, can't wait to see what he does next, man. It's definitely going to be something that's worth talking about. Um, and before we go here, before we wrap up today's show, we uh, we definitely got to talk about uh, Young Dolph who. We recently just lost, unfortunately. Um, the rapper from Memphis was just shot and killed um, just recently on November 17th, um, unfortunately, in a very violent incident in his hometown you know, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, Young Dolph has been in the industry for, for quite a while now. He really made a splash in, in, in hip-hop and in rap um, with Preach, which came out, I think, eight years ago, quite a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's released quite a few albums. I think he he was uh, he just recently recently released his seventh album um, in 2020 called Rich Slave. Um, and he's had a lot of singles in between that and has worked with you know quite a few artists. And he was only 36 years old, which is you know incredibly young and incredibly too soon to be to be going out you know in that in that way. But um, definitely just want to acknowledge him and, and, you know, sort of just pay tribute to him and what he brought to hip hop over this past decade or so. Um, very much. He was a part of my my soundtrack in college, to be yes. honest, you know, as, as I was, you know, closer to exiting, but still like definitely left an imprint on my time, just like hearing his music and hearing you know, at every function that I went to, like you heard preach and you heard like other things that he came out with were just like always playing. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we know that he's, he's, he's been, he, he's, he, he's met near death experiences before, you know, mm-hmm. unfortunately, you know, and he's been able to thankfully, you know, make it through and escape those situations. But, uh, to, to be taken out this way in such a just mindless way you know at a at a local cookie shop you know uh in, in his hometown it's just hard to put into words to be honest with you mm-hmm. um and it's really 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 unfortunate that another one of our another one of our artists or another one of our talented black artists yeah. has uh has just you know gone out in this way and so just want to send condolences and thoughts to 
family and friends of, of, of young Dolph and also all the fans who really support him and also people from Memphis that we know, you know, that are, that are very much connected to that community and to that culture. It's a big loss for sure. I don't fuck with these niggas cause they shady. These bitches, they just want to have my baby born in the eighties. Crack baby. Crack baby. Hey bro, this boy Dolph was, so I, I was a DJ in college too. And Dolph was always, always on the list i had i had to play some Dolph at least once like as a part of the set man i've always enjoyed his Dolph and his music um he's part of i don't know if i i don't know if renaissance is the word but it was this influx of memphis rappers uh at that time that Dolph was coming up it was him and key glock and of course yo Gotti, which of course they got mm-hmm. the, their own beefs and in, in, in things going on but I've, uh, I've, I was always, I've always been a Dolphin man. I've always appreciated his music, um, and he was one of the more uh, I don't know if it's, if silly rappers is the word in terms of like he he showed his personality more than a, a lot of yeah. other rappers would show it. Like uh, we uh, we seen recently, uh, somebody was talking about that time Dolph brought a, his his tithes and offering his ten percent to the church in a duffel bag and just dropped it yeah. off and his homeboy was like in the passenger seat smoking a blunt and that's like just some dog stuff bro it's just like some i don't know it's just really funny uh uh stuff he would do but he he will always be uh a uh, part of my experience again in college like you mentioned he will always be part of my my dj sets he will always be part of my shoot, my, my gym playlists and things like mm. that. But I, I I'll never forget him. I'll continue to listen to him again because um he 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 I know he meant that for Memphis rap first and foremost, but he really did have I think a more of an important part in just hip hop in general than people realize. And I think it'll happen uh at some point where people would be like, damn, I actually know that song. And they'd be like, Yeah, uh of course you know that song, but Man, rest in peace to a real one, man. Um, it, 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 it's sad um, what what has to happen in a lot of these rappers' lives. Um, and, and Young Dolph is special. Uh, but condolences to his family and to his friends. Everybody, we need somebody to go check on Key Glock, who was clearly yeah. one of his best friends too, man. Uh, it, 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 it's, it's, it's a sad time. But um, he's, he's somewhere smiling right now. Um and, and hopefully still still writing some bars for us. Yeah, certainly gone too soon, but hopefully hopefully in a much better place. And with that said, ladies and gentlemen, we are officially down and out for this week's episode of Two Black Nerds. Thank y'all again for listening and tuning in. We will be back next week, of course. As we mentioned, we will be talking about Hawkeye for the next four weeks, reviewing each and every episode, and then we'll be back with another episode talking about all the Thanksgiving movies that dropped, including Encanto. There's a new Resident Evil movie. We gotta talk about House of Gucci really soon here. All of it. Award season is gearing up. Things are definitely moving at a very quick pace, so we will be back to talk about all of that stuff. And until next time, man, we'll catch up with y'all later. Yes, 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 y'all. Have a good, good, good holiday season. With that being said, y'all, we are ID5000. And remember, always bet on black. Appreciate y'all. Love y'all. Thank you for listening to another episode of Two Black Nerds. Where we're too black, too nerdy. And we out, y'all. Peace. Niggas quick to run their mouth when they get jammed. Pussy ass nigga, tell it on his own fam. Same nigga that you break your neck for. Yeah. Be the same nigga that cross you out and wet you up. Uh.
Supposed to be chasing money, but you chasing bitches. Real bosses don't talk, we just sit back and listen. Stack that paper up and then make boss moves. She like to argue, so I sent that bitch to law school. Your dog, no matter what. Same bitch decline, she love you, she just set you up. Preach. Out here in these streets, it ain't no such thing as love. Preach. The only thing I trust is this pistol and these slugs. Preach.